Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along. It's just after 8 o'clock on a very dark, very cold, definitely winter's evening here in the UK. I'm John Hindoff and live from Hindoff Towers, it's Midweek Motorsport Series 11, the Lewis Hamilton edition, because it's number 44. Uh, Nick Damon is alongside me. Good evening. Sorry, I thought it was because you were backing up another show. Yeah. We've got we're backing up forty three. Oh, we're right. Okay, in, into forty two and forty one, and then suddenly gets taken overtake on the outside by um, the Fuji race. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Four it's weeks ago, uh, up in London is our executive producer Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, and listeners. On, and on a packed program tonight, we have what? Tonight it's our Christmas Eve special. Uh, Christmas Eve, what? but yeah. before you uh, before we have our rush Christmas out Eve. to your supermarkets mm. uh, to buy the last turkey in the fridge, uh, we're talking in the about. Fridge? Well, where are you going to get a turkey from? It's not going to be on a shelf, is it? Well, it is if it's a fresh one. It'll be in the fridge. Okay. Uh, we are talking about the wonderful, responsible adult who will be here with some Christmas present ideas. Uh, for you to buy uh, for your loved ones or not so loved ones if you're feeling very generous hello to Sarah Rigby who's joining us tonight Uh, Marshall Pruitt will be with us later on Simon Hoff says the fire is burning Adolf Beverage Cupboard is open for business already for Midweek Motorsport on this cold winter's night in Pit Lane with us tonight no apologies for absence wide awake planning our Formula Student Australia coverage next week hello guys uh, it's been a while since i've been able to listen live says hugo de martella and he says uh, but here i am and we have some refreshments at the ready which looks to be a chocolate motorcycle oh. that in fact that looks very triumph like that looks like a chocolate triumph it does it's triumph in chocolate as well uh, yeah it's uh, very good nick very good Actually, uh, no, looking at that headlight, Cal, I think actually that's a, it looks more like a, a Harley. It could be a Harley, yes, you're right with that headlamp, Cal. Uh, Miggins Motorsport listening in tonight, so is Paul Markart. Uh, in class, as if I can focus uh, on that, says Dan Hounsell, after this evening's news. Oh, yes, we've got some big news tonight. Daryl Bowd is with us this evening as well, uh, as Nick Holland, David Two Bruce, as well as uh, Tyler Kinghorn, so... Uh, and Ben Gooding as well so more people telling us they're here than not tonight which is good and the Christmas gift list is ready so it will be the Christmas Eve edition tonight in about an hour's time pen and papers at the ready Monty Elysium tuned in from my cube uh, listening to us and getting ready to head to the Ferrari World Finals at Daytona this weekend 
Uh, and, well, that's the housekeeping done. Let's play a jingle and get cracking with some news, Tim. <laughs> Hello. Nick Damon's here. Hello, everybody. Missed the obvious gag. The biggest problem I have is I just want to watch Never Say Hello Hello now. If I say Nick Damon, who is the newly crowned FIA GP3 champion, you say... Charles Leclerc. It is I, Leclerc. Is the correct answer. (laughs) This is the most parochial... It's not even... Not only is he British, he's 30 years old. (laughs) Don't you make me feel old. But wait, but... <laughs> Go and find out, though, really. I mean, you know, come I on. Th- I'm sure Allo Allo is available on a great number of uh, streaming devices and YouTube, and if you are not from the UK or you are under the age of 25, watch it. You'll never see it again. They won't put it on because they all think... Because people put on funny accents, even though it's in a non-judgmental way. A bit like me, really. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh so Charles Leclerc is the new GP3 champion after uh, Alex Albon crashed twice at the weekend who is the uh, other driver uh, who had a chance of winning what about uh, GP2 who is the GP2 champion it is another it is I Pierre Gasly another Frenchman Pierre Gasly doesn't work quite as well in fairness no, although the pun in the headline on the press release I got today I quite enjoyed. Let me see if I can dig that out because I can't remember it. Pierre gets on the gas. Lee. Lee to win. No, it's the great Gasly. Oh, very good. That's another literary reference. Marvellous. Yes. Let's hope he doesn't end up dead in a pool. Um, Sorry, I've given the end, given the end away now. Well, yes. Uh, so they are our... Uh, champions of the single-seater championship supporting Formula 1, all of which were racing in Abu Dhabi at the weekend. Formula 1 concluded there as well. What happened there, Nick Damon? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. What I said was, no, because what I said was in last week's show was that Hamilton would win, Rosberg would be second, the two manners wouldn't score any points, and about 18 cars would finish, all of which I thought was exactly right. So I'm resting on that. Um, what happened I, was... I was very Lewis Hamilton, upset that I didn't get my predictions right. What happened was Lewis Hamilton did what a champion, a, a world champion driver does, which is attempt to try and win a world championship. Yep. Uh, Nico Rosberg didn't let him by not being flustered and also because all the rest of the cars are far too slow. So even if Mercedes is not trying, can win a race and come second. And then everyone massively overreacts on social media and in the press, saying right. it was the worst thing ever and I can't believe well, no, it no, and see, how could not, you and whatever. That's and not true. Because every driver that's been asked uh, has said it's exactly what he should have done. Yeah. The world championship for manufacturers was gone. Yeah. So team orders don't come into it. Team orders absolutely don't come into it. The, the only reason you would have team orders in a situation like that is if the team favoured one driver over another and wanted one driver rather than the other to win the world championship. Lewis's answer to the instruction that he got was... I'm losing the world championship. I'm not going to lose the race. And he wasn't. He and was, he didn't. And, he and Mercedes was still first and, and second. Even uh, if first and third. Even if um, first and second. And even if uh, some way Vettel got past Rosberg, he wasn't going to get past Hamilton. He had so much. He had so much in hand. His tyres weren't getting warm enough. Yes. Um, 
you know, it was a championship drive, and he, made, he was making a point again. He's making a point that I have, in my opinion, as Lewis Hamilton, I have lost the world championship due to inferior reliability to Nico Rosberg. I am going to prove I'm a better racer than him. But then everyone knew that already. But record books say that Nico won. And I, this whole thing... No, I, well done, listen, well done to absolutely. Nico. Absolutely. Nico did exactly what he needed to hmm. do. Was Nico that bothered about it? I would suggest not. not at all. Because if not he, at all. If he'd been that bothered about it, and we didn't hear his radio but if he'd been that bothered about it he and if he could have got close enough to him he could have got up to the back of uh, the mercedes of lewis and tried to overtake him and of course if they'd come together still wins. he would have still won the championship so it was a no lose situation for nico he wasn't bothered slightly bothered but he no. gave him a tense time he would be, in fairness you no know, probably because he was having to worry about cars behind him, he didn't have to do that thing where you're worrying about every single noise from the car. So probably, you know, whatever happens, if you have 10 laps at the end of winning the World Championship, your, your life's ambition, you're going to be nervous anyway. So he didn't mind. I don't think um, uh, Paddy Lowe or um, Toto Wolff really covered themselves with glory by trying to make it out some it's sort ridiculous. of like HR issue. Um, and then something it was really interesting to point out, do you know what? If they hadn't won the championship, yeah, so the race... Mm-hmm. They actually would have saved themselves money. Why was that, Nick? Because your entry fee is based on the number of points you score, That's whereas your point. prize money is based on the position you finish in the constructor championship. So they don't finish super first and get more money by winning 19 races rather than 18, but they do pay for those pounds. What do pounds make? Points. Their entry fee is based on the points they score. So if they parked the cars, they would have saved themselves, I think, 430 or 43 thousand um, dollars by not doing it. Um, so yeah, I mean it was it was a, a fantastic storm of teacup. All we're going to do is we no no no. But hang on, Lewis is going to his job's in jeopardy now apparently according to all the experts. Only according to the Daily Mirror. No, all and the Telegraph and the Guardian what? and the whole of Fleet what Street. A rot. You know, I suppose really when they prepared their four-page spread of Lewis being the champion and when Nico wins, is not particularly well known or particularly exciting. Uh, they had to fill the page with something else. Um, and it was rubbish. And, it didn't f- and, it, and I, I, no one in the actual paddock thought this was going to happen. There's not, it's not even going to be mentioned. There's not even going to be a meeting about it. There's not even going to be an email about it. They're going to start next year. And the one thing they say, I mean, the, the, the point about it is, if you're going to have a more competitive season, why the, are you going to clip the wings of your faster driver? Well, uh, but, but obviously one or two things that have come out in the last week or so that we haven't talked about... Um, and it's one of the reasons why Nico got re-signed was when Nico took Lewis out at Barcelona, mm. uh, Lewis really threw his toys out the pram and threatened to park with, himself to park himself and walk away at that time. And in fact, there was a test just afterwards. Wasn't yeah, there? rather than Esteban Ocon doing the test, which he's supposed to do, it ended up going to Pascal Verlein, who was their potential emergency replacement, and they signed up Rosberg for two years rather than one. And yeah, because obviously the initial feeling about that um, Spain accident was it was mostly Ros- mostly Hamilton's fault, but it's now switched around to mostly Rosberg's fault for closing him down. So um, I think yeah, we said um, at the time that it was mostly Rosberg's no, fault. No, we, we I'm, did, I'm yes. talking about the perceived wisdom in inverted commas, which we've seen is not very wise. But you know, it comes down. I think the last four races have proved a couple of things. They proved that a fully focused um, Lewis Hamilton is untouchable in a good car, and they've also proven that um, uh, Nico Rosberg is is absolutely very, very able to withstand pressure and get himself where he needs to be. And the end result of the whole thing is that for three weeks we'll go around saying, oh, Lewis is unlucky, and then we'll forget about it, and Nico Rosberg's world champion, and he might 
break with tradition and put number one in this car, believe it or not. And it's great. I'm going to next year. And, and, we'll and do you know what? Good for him if he does. I think they should. I think they should. Um, uh, rest of the race was good because they're all backed up. Because if, if they'd done the, the if he had Verstappen very nearly looked into an excellent result well, by getting spun around at the first corner. Well, no, it's interesting, wasn't it? The tires. You know, I know the, the Mercedes weren't going as fast as they could in, in, in an ordinary race that have disappeared off into the distance, mm. but. It did show that the perceived wisdom about the degradation of the uh, Pirelli tyres is not always actually what it is. Um, so you kind of think they're, they're getting them off too quickly. I think they, they, I think there's a kind of a, these current generation of tyres seems to engender a natural fear about them. And they, how often, you know, how we're saying, oh, they're going to go off a cliff. Oh, they're going to go off a cliff. I haven't seen a tyre go off a cliff for three years. Well, because all tyre engineers are pirates. Apparently so, yes, are. Are, it's going off a cliff, are. I haven't actually seen any cliffs for uh, three years in Formula Well, you know, he's, 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 he's had some trouble, but he's, he's been found not guilty now, so it's fine. Um, no, seriously, though, but um, <laughs> I think people, they're, they're, they're so frightened of what the tyre, the undercut, world's worst word, and everything else, that they don't actually, anything. they only ever try anything when they have to, because they've got to stretch it to the end, or they, and, and they well, and in fairness, lasting. give Red Bull their due, they did something different in qualifying, because they um, were going to start on the softs rather than the super softs or the ultra softs. I think the point about it is, Sorry, super softs is that Christian that Horner obviously has been playing interference the last couple of races. You know, he was suggesting that they were going to back him up and then he, he was, he's been rent to quote. And what he's trying to obviously do is do anything he can to destabilise Mercedes over the summer, oh, sorry, over the winter, because he believes his car will be competitive next year. So he's now already started the mind games for next season with Mercedes. Let's hope it's not a waste of time and let's hope it is that way, but you know. It you love a change in regulations, Mr. Damon, don't you? Well, it gives you a chance. Because, let's be honest, but if we carry on the same regulations next year, we've had the same result. But everybody now can build their copy of the Mercedes-Benz engine because the jeton yes. system has been... The, there are no more, t- no more tokens. Tokens have gone. Yeah, no, exactly. So, you, they are, they, so effectively, the, the engines which are really suffering, which is the Honda. up and down bits of the Honda... Uh, and the general not by the way the hybrid bits of the not anymore no because they sort of all the hybrid bits out this year but the up and downy bits aren't good enough they can build completely new up and downy bits and as you said roundy roundy bits as well because that's important there are some <laughs> roundy roundy bits as well as <laughs> um, downy bits so the ICE the internal combustion unit can be completely redesigned over the uh, well, I'm sure it already has been completely redesigned like how you put it in the car over the winter um, Renault are building a completely new engine which of course will be tag tag Hoyer as we found out for at least another couple of years when it's uh, running within the Red Bull uh, so they are going to be you know, whether they catch up or not, they're going to definitely going to narrow the gap in pure horsepower terms to the Mercedes. So if it was 40 horsepower, it'd be 20 or 10. So that's good news. And then, of course, we're entering a, a formula which is getting much more uh, down to aerodynamics, which is not necessarily good news, but it doesn't mean we're going to get changed around. Problem is, though, John, mm. most change of regulations normally have somebody who gets it right when the others didn't. Or somebody who gets it wrong more. Yeah. yeah. So, like, in t- with the last big ones, the 2008 to 2009 change, of course, it was Braun who got it right initially with the uh, double diffuser and then slowly they were caught back up again by everyone else in Red Bull because they had no development money. And, of course, the last trick regulation, which is an engine form, and Mercedes got it right. Uh, this from The Collective, Andrew Mather says, uh, isn't it not a bit typical of the series that the most exciting bit of the F1 season involves a driver going very slowly? That's uh, the Formula 1, according to Nicky Lauda in 1976. Well, I think he was stealing Juan Manuel Fangio's original quote, if I'm honest. Alan Prosser says, now I'm going to move to this place called Jeopardy. There seems to be a lot of jobs there, including Lewis's. Very good. Um, <laughs> Hamilton untouchable in a great car focus. Rosberg can perform under pressure, says Jesse. Don't actually disagree with that. Yeah. Right Turnover says, did Red Bull misread the race if 
uh, Ricciardo had also saved a pit stop. Yeah, I and, and on that, that um, where would Max have been if he'd not spun at lap one, turn one? He would have been in exactly the same place, Nick Holland, because they changed their strategy on him. What happened was, uh, apparently, and I didn't know this at the time, um, Ricciardo, Ricciardo, Ricciardo or Ricciardo, Daniel had flat-spotted a tyre. Uh, ah. And therefore, he did come in only a lap after the ultra There's no reason to come in there. He'd be flat spotted the tyre, and they thought, right, we can't get the extra pace to fight the undercut, so we have to come in and, and, and mirror. What it. I don't understand is why they didn't put Ricciardo on a set of ultras at the end. He would have lost 26, 28 seconds, but he would have made that back in four laps. Yeah, I think they were trying. It's a very good point, actually, John. He was like, he, he fell himself out of out of. Um, Anybody who put soft tyres on at the end with Lewis doing what he was doing and it was so obvious that Lewis was going to do what he was going to do would have had a a real chance with the extra Uh, grip. I think that would have been a good call. I I was screaming at the television. I think that would have been a good call from the the pit lane to do that. about about track position though, isn't it? You you might end up stuck behind someone on some... That is true. Theoretic, old theoretically, with with the DRS in that is. main straight, you can probably do it because you should get the. I mean, even though the Red Bull is slightly down on power, you, it is all about the traction out of the hairpin. But there are so only I two think, places you can overtake. Yeah, but if he, even at that point with no safety cars, even if he took another stop, he wouldn't drop more than three or four positions. Yeah. So I know what you're saying, but if you think about Fettel, Fettel, Fettel came up for about four places relatively easy on the on the super soft rather than the ultra. It, you know, sometimes you throw a dice. I think that uh, the Red Bull were, were wondering, I think, whether there might have been a collision. They could pick up the pieces of. Yes, that's, that's what they're probably thinking at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, the interesting thing is that, that Lewis was, was was actually very clever because he, he didn't actually start playing the big tricks till after they couldn't do anything about it because it's the last session, last section of uh, the race. So the uh, there was some ignominious ends. Uh, yes. Jensen Button broke his suspension. That was a very odd one. <laughs> I don't know. I love the thing. Oh, I don't, oh, know, no, I I don't do... know what I did. Well, you kind of clumped that curb really hard. Yeah, the ones that are like pyramids. Yeah. So mm. uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he was only three inches to the left or the right where he should have been for that corner but it was enough to ping it off yeah I couldn't get the car at the end of the race which was a shame um, the Manners managed to hit each other which is impressive Man- <laughs> uh, yeah there was a few teammates settling old scores it seemed <laughs> with teams being split up the Husker boys were the same uh, Magnussen's last race for Renault he ended last in a few laps he had a, yeah, he had a weird problems a damper failure on Bottas's thing so yes yeah, so something kept going off the accident so that's quite good and they, all, and they all get to go down and have a little, have a little of a lie down. Well, apart from the fourth moon, we were testing tyres yesterday, of course. Yes. Uh, different tyres? The wide ones. The new wide oh, ones. Oh, yes, the new wide Super new wide ones. But, yeah, I mean, I think what I would say is it made what could have been a very tedious last race actually really interesting because it was jeopardy till the end, even if you were you know, thinking, oh, I don't think it's going to happen. But you thought, well, there was a possibility. Whereas if Lewis had done the thing which Mercedes wanted to do, which is just disappear and win by half a minute to prove a point, we'd have had, you know... Rosberg 10 seconds clear in second and it'd been a completely pointless tedium Formula 3 ball fest I, I, I still and I am by no means a, a, a Hamilton lover or indeed a Hamilton hater for that matter but I thought he did a pretty decent job for what he had to do he was trying to win a world championship and I again if Rosberg had been that bothered I'll go back to what I said earlier on he, he could have tried to overtake it's not bothered he's world champion doesn't care Going to next year, Hamilton needs to keep his form run his form through because he'll probably have a battle on his hands, and that's when Mercedes is going to need him. Well, 
without the reliability issues, if you accept that Mercedes-Benz's engine is probably going to be the thing that they change least, and therefore their reliability should be the best on the grid if everybody else is changing their mm-hmm. engines, then without the reliability issues, Hamilton will win 10 or 12 it's races aer- next year and romp away with the championship. It's an aero formula. You don't know what Adrian Newey's going to come up with. Well, it, I mean, the, the, the problem... The phase error isn't bad. If it's an aero formula and Adrian Newey comes up with his usual car, then they're going to need 75 Lots to 100 horsepower <laughs> more to push it through the air. But they'll, be, they'll be good on a lot of tracks. They're not quite so good at China where they get blasted down the straight. Don't, don't forget that Formula One cars still run actually a lot more downforce than they really, really, really need to and ought to be running. They should, they should wind off a heck of a lot more of the downforce. Well, they've it's, got more mechanical grip next time, so perhaps they will. Which might not be the best formula for Red Bull, is what I'm seeing. I'm sure it's And nice. Adrian's got his pens out again, hasn't he? Pens, pencils, he's got, he's, he's got his sharpener, he's, mm. and he's imagining air. Is he? Oh, is he visualising air? He's got a little desk fan with uh, bits of thin paper, paper on it. to it. To be fair, this is more useful than when you being able to see dead people, which was uh, highly Joel Osment. So being able to see air actually has a purpose in it. Uh, a quote of the race says, right turn lover, uh, from him was from Alex Verts saying, if Hamilton was on a bicycle, he'd have fallen over by now. <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> he was doing that thing that um, the sprint racers do on the verge of, isn't it? Going really slowly, look over your shoulder. Going really slowly, look over your shoulder. Just sprinting a bit, and then going really slowly again. But yeah, it was just, very just to keep that, just to keep it out of the uh, DRS zone. And then oh, going slow again, we can't get past. What what that did show to me is just how much better than everyone else in that car Hamilton is. Now I accept again that Rosberg didn't have to try that hard. All he had to do was stay ahead of I think of the rest of the field. I think what's very evident actually, John, is that and how Hamilton, much car that how but, much better that car is what, better than Ferrari. Yeah, but I think what's very evident is that Hamilton did not start the season well mm. as far as a, I think he just thought it was going to be easy. I think he didn't start it on on full, uh, you know, hundred percent focus mentality and if you think about how he then had the crash and then he picked up in the middle of the season and had the problems with it. the last four races when he's had it has literally been all or nothing he has mm-hmm. been unbelievably good I mean it, the other thing is he's nailed four starts from pole which apparently he couldn't do earlier in the season mm. um, so if he can carry that form through he's going to be a, a obviously challenging again for the, for the next championship and which will be please be more competitive Stu G sends in this pointless stat which we, he oh, admits uh, the same two drivers have not finished 1-2 in the Formula 1 World Championship for the last four years running. Right. 1-2 or 2-1. Well, that's hardly surprising, really. Right. Uh, James Ryder says, wait till 2018. I hear Adrian Newey's getting an Etch-A-Sketch for for Christmas. Uh, With that, it'll be unbeatable. I think he's unbeatable anyway. Uh, Sure, how much better the Mercs are... Hamilton goes slow and Red Bull and Ferrari still couldn't do anything about it. And that is very true. That is very true. And, and as you said, Nick, I think to the point of it, and that, sorry, was from uh, Michael Hetherington. Um, what you said there was he was going so slowly that the tyres were actually out of their operating range on the cold side because he wasn't putting enough energy through them. It was a masterclass in <laughs> going Back very, 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 very slow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, mean I think the... I think the, the track does suit themselves more than some of the others, but it, w- it would have been a... If, if they had been going... For, it's been round three and they were going for it. It was completely embar- it would have been completely embarrassing for the rest of the teams on the grid. 
Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's episode 44. It is the Hamilton episode, of course. That is his number. Uh, of uh, Series 11 uh, in 2016. Lots of uh, season reviews coming up in the next few re- weeks. And still to come, it's Christmas Eve and uh, the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, that will be coming up just after 9 o'clock UK time. Uh, on another stats note, right turn lover comes up with this crack. And when we do our preview, mm-hmm. uh, each German Formula One champion so far has successfully defended his maiden championship. So get your money on Nico now. That's both of them then. That's both Michael well, and, uh, uh, and Sebastian. Still going to be the best car next year. I'm telling you. Okay. You I still have... need the horsepower. There's no substitute for for power, mate. Talk is your friend, and power is also. Well, you say that, but the Red Bull didn't have the most power in the four years Vettel won. Had the best chassis. Didn't have a bad engine, though. It wasn't no, 100 horsepower down. No, it wasn't. No, no. no it was, they were moaning a lot, but it was probably 10 or 12 down, perhaps 15 yeah. on a bad day. Which... Barely any driver in the world no, could no. have actually noticed. Oh, no, they, they can. They can. That's Only fine. if you've got a car that's as aerodynamic as a brick. Well, there we are. <laughs> aerodynamic and downforce are absolutely opposed. Well, there's a difference unless between... You get, air, unless you get it under the car. Downforce and drag. Yes, it's the trade-off. It's the trade-off, isn't it? That's why they should have... They should have um, done it anyway, let's not get to 2017 yet, because there's enough problem with that. Uh, moving on, Tim. Where would you like? We've got a packed program tonight. Lots of things have happened today. I have, I have a linked program. I don't know whether Tim's seen this, but the annual um, team boss, who's the best driver in F1, has come out. Are you going to cover Ooh, this? Report. No. Or it's, it's, Shall it's, we do that now? Yes. So you have to best. The, the, so Toto Wolff, Christian Horner, Maurizio Arrieta, Ben, Nivijay Malia, Claire Williams, Eric Bullier, Frank Toss, Gunter Steiner, Fred Vesser, Manisha Kalthorpe, and Dave Ryan voted for their best drivers yep. of the year. In a secret ballot, they hadn't got to vote for their own drivers. Right. So of, and it was just one man vote or one woman one I, vote. They give. No, I think they, I think they do it in in twenty five fifty. You know, in, oh, in okay, right, okay. So, so they can vote for more than one. Yep. So who do you think was voted by the team match as the best driver of the year? Alonso. No. Lewis Hamilton. Absolutely right. Who do you think was voted as the second best driver of the Alonso. year? Alonso. Absolutely not. Raikkonen. Rick, Ricardo. Nope. The Stubborn. Yes. Right. Who do you think was the third best driver of the Ricardo. year? Ricardo. No. <laughs> oh, world champion, Nico Rosberg. Was only voted third. So it's Hamilton who won by 50 points. Um... Then it was Verstappen who was seven points ahead of uh, Rosberg. Ricardo was a long way back in fourth. Vettel was fifth with only about a third of the points of Hamilton. Well, I'm surprised Vettel was ahead of Raikkonen because was sixth. Because and then Raikkonen said, "I agree with you. I think I, Raikkonen. I mean, I, I, I think I, when we do our review, I'll, I, I'll I be said, putting. I said Raikkonen shouldn't have been retained. I was completely wrong. Yes, but that was you've had a you've had a massive year as I had when I said Matter would never be the same again, mm. and I was wrong. And he kept going far longer than I thought he would in Formula yeah. One and did a pretty good job. I think right in relative terms, please, please judge this in relative terms to to Reikening. Mm. I think Reikening's had a sparkling year <laughs> this year, and that's not a word that you would normally use. I think the first three or four races, he was behind, but certainly in the second half of the season, he's been much, much better than Fettel overall, and he, and he obviously finished behind him on Sunday, but that's much more down to the um, the differencing in the, in the uh, two strategies. Mm. That's a, that, I like that. So, so Hamilton is the best driver in the world, according to the bosses, again. And uh, and Rosberg's the world champion, by the way. And that's what it says in the record box. It's funny, isn't it? The two major FIA world championships this year, being Formula One world championship for 
drivers mm-hmm. and the FIA WEC for drivers, the the guys who have won those championships have not had the best second half of the se- second halves of the season. Um, the number two Porsche crew um, never stood on a podium after Le Mans, so more than half the season didn't stand on a podium. Um, but because of the double points at Le Mans, of course, they were slightly insulated. It's the way championships run, and you have to run a championship in that way. I think it's slightly different for Nico. Um, the, the guys in the number two Porsche have had a horrible year in terms of reliability in the second half of the season. Basically, as I said to Neil Jarney, um, of which more later, by the way. Um, I'm sure you got more later about that whole team, haven't you? Yeah. Um, the uh, the uh, I said to him, did you break a mirror by hitting it with a back black cat as you walked under a ladder? <laughs> because it, they really had no. Look did that translate to Swiss? Uh, yes, he, he's he's very well aware of uh, of the English idioms. Um, he, I mean, it just was a horrible season for them. Nico did what he had to do, and I will not. I mean, people would say, oh, but oh, but. Yes, but he didn't need to do anything else. And you can speculate as much as you want about Rosberg's performances and his finishes towards the end of the season, but he didn't have to do anything else. Now, if he'd had to do something else, would he be able to? Do you know what? It doesn't matter because he did what he had to do. That's like saying, oh, yeah, but you know, if the, if the team had had to score another three goals in the second half they didn't play as if they could no because they were 3-0 up and they sat on the ball for 45 minutes you know or in American football parlance if you just kill the clock because you're two touchdowns up then you just work the clock so that the other team doesn't get field position and get the ball back with time to do anything with it and and that's that's not saying oh you've got no offence you can't move the ball no you you you're just managing the situation as it's in front of you. And Nico did that perfectly. And do you know what? He doesn't care. Because next week, or later this week, he's going to go to Vienna, which frankly means nothing to me. Oh. No. Oh, <laughs> Vienna. Um, and he's going to pick up the big sparkly trophy. Unless yep. something changes in the next 24 hours. Which he isn't going to do. Are you suggesting you know something? No, I'm just suggesting that it's 24 hours until he picks up that uh, big sparkly trophy in Vienna. Oh, Vienna. Oh. Vienna. <laughs> uh, um, Chris Smith on Twitter says the turkey uh, would be in the freezer, surely. Not if it's Christmas no, Eve, no, because no. otherwise you're not going to be eating it on Christmas Day. But you get fresh turkey. Fantastic. <laughs> 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 the listener will be confused oh as to dear. why you're playing. Uh, Is that David Alliday? Petula Clark. Oh, it's Petula Clark singing in, in French. French, of course it is. Because of she is French. Well, she recorded a lot of albums in French as well as the English. Uh, that is Calendar Girl, made famous, as I would suggest, to most of the world by <laughs> Neil Sedaka, but covered there expertly in, uh, in French by Pet Clark. Um... Fantastic. Oh, hang on. And this is a new skill that Tim's taken up. <laughs> Perhaps it can be louder. <laughs> it's very loud. I'm just not as loud to the listener. Very, 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 very
What's that this, one then? That is uh, the original version of uh, the calendar song, which was also covered by Borny M. And that is the Trinidad Oil that Company. Can't. <laughs> oh, me. And here's another version. What's this? Please. You mentioned Borny M. Here we are. All right. <laughs> Borny M, that well-known German uh, combo. Is it the Borny M? Uh, yeah, they're German. Nico's German. It's a celebration of Germany, you see. What I like is this all came about because we were taking the mickey out of Tim because he's love of calendars and all the calendars have come out from the World Insurance sorry the FIA earlier and uh, we've now had a, a calendar medley It's all down to calendars basically It is FIA calendars yes. and Vienna <laughs> Oh it means nothing to me Oh dear not Because again. the FIA World Motorsport Council ahead of tomorrow's gala awards ceremony has been meeting Who's presenting it? In Steve Ryder is really? he really? Yes. Yeah, he's got all the gigs, hasn't he? Hasn't he? Considering he doesn't work in motorsport anymore. He doesn't. I thought he was in British touring cars. That's pretty cool. It's taxi racing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not world motorsport, though, is it? No. Well, obviously not. He gets right. his uh, fair share of world motorsport, though. Does he? All right. Yeah. Uh, yes, calendars. Are we starting so with Formula One one? We might as well, as it was uh, at the top of the facts. Yes. Well, the key point about the Formula 1 calendar is that there they have... no German Grand Prix. This, no, that's not the key point. The key point is, because we knew there was no German Grand Prix two weeks ago, um, the key point is they have moved um, the European Grand Prix to a completely different place called Azerbaijan, which that's is where it, it is now. This year. No, no, it was in Europe. It was the European Grand Prix. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I see. In the background. <laughs> so, so now it's the, now Azerbaij- the Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan Grand Prix, yes. and they have, um, as you say, cancelled Germany, which now means of the mandated 50% of Grand Prix that must be in Europe, uh, we're down to, I think, 35%. Mm. Russia's much earlier, isn't it? Nope. No? It's around four this year. Now, the, the, the real important thing is yeah. Russia. We were having this. It's not in Europe. Russia's Sochi, in Europe. Sochi's not in Europe. Sochi's very much in Europe. Well, that's a, all right. Answer the postcode. That's forty percent of the Grand Prix. And the key thing, actually, though, on all this is that Azerbaijan has moved a week. It no longer clashes with Le Mans. More importantly, there are no clashes with Le Mans test day, and there is no clash with the Spa Francorchamps six hours either. So, if you were a Formula One driver who fancied a go at Alonso, at yes, at uh, sorry, just clearing my at, throat there. <laughs> at Le Mans, there is nothing holding Alonso. you back now, except possibly your Something. contractual obligations. But if you were a well-known racing driver who expressed a desire to race at Le Mans only at your awards ceremony a couple of weeks ago, Alonso. and you are in a very strong position because your contract is running out at the end of the year, and I'm sure your employers would like to be, to employ you in the future, do you not feel it could be a bargaining? to make sure you could go back again or not. Let me let me go and get the large baseball bat <laughs> that I have. Actually, it's a cricket bat, but let me go and get the cricket bat out of the other room and, and basically hold that like the sword of Damocles over the top of McLaren and Honda. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think in terms of Hulkenberg might also be to go back, but Hulkenberg obviously has signed for uh, Renner. Now, whether Renner consider themselves rivals of um, Porsche is, is questionable in the... Uh, family car market and whether the, whether Hulkenberg has negotiated something else I don't know but there is now the opportunity if any F1 drivers have the inclination to do it for it to happen mm. uh, you own a Porsche John uh, 12 um, <laughs> more than one actually <laughs> yes I thought one was Eve's uh, one's Eve's one's mine and one's ours so oh, you have a third one yes oh do have keep up one? Uh, which one have you got then 
You've got the, the 968, you know about 968. He doesn't about, he's forgotten about the 968. Uh, would you trade it in for Renault? Well, interestingly, you should say that, of course, <laughs> as I zip up the anorak, because you could say that the 968 and the Renault were very closely yeah, similar. Re- very similar, because if you go back to the 924... And the Renault Fuego. The Renault Fuego were the product this of the same very, styling And they exercise. do look very similar, and that is so... Sp- we are so anorak Rejected design. There is we what go. is what it, it, now that whether that is just anyway, a truth in in the modern world of 2016, mm. do you believe there are people who are considering buying a Porsche and are there other options with their pros and cons? Is a Renault. The, the shortlist is Megane 911. No, no, no. I think that's, no. It's more like a Clio against a Boxster. I think. Uh, with the best will in the world, if you have got the money to buy a 911. You're and Megane is probably not on your radar. And if you have only got the budget to buy a Megane, a new 911 wouldn't be on your radar. But if, well, actually, an older one's probably more expensive now. But you might look at an older Porsche. Mm. B- basically, a 968 Sport, like I've just bought, Club Sport, is about the same price as a fully loaded Renault to take your your family to the shops and do the school round with a five star end cap rating you're probably not going to get a classic Porsche that's a fair point well made and beautifully presented the point of this is what well Nick said would Renault let Nico Hulkenberg go race for Porsche ah right I see I be uh, because reflected glow well, it didn't do him any harm when he won it before but of course that was he wasn't the manufacturer well would you then say that Honda then and Alonso were in competition with Porsche. Well, I think with the NSX turning up, there's a kind of a situation there, isn't there? Because your shopping list, the NSX, the Are we certain that Alonso is going to be racing for Porsche and not for someone else? No one else can afford him. Toyota, I've I've actually had a conversation with Toyota and Toyota said they don't have Formula One driver money. Do we not think that Alonso wants to do it so much that he would do it for less money? Uh, Although, the, the, not for Toyota, the, obviously, because he's a Honda contract the, driver. That you then get into that very big, much bigger... The bigger problem the is... The is important. Right, I, I don't believe the money is important. There's a principle involved, but the bigger problem for Alonso is Honda versus Toyota. That isn't going to happen. If Alonso goes to Le Mans, it will be in a Porsche and it will be with Porsche as a factory driver in their third car in their third car which will be Spa and Le Mans and possibly the Nürburgring well, I don't but, think he's free from Nürburgring, but I, I think it will be just th- that uh, that third car now Toyota's third car um, which will be announced in January I have absolutely no doubt about it the drivers there are already I believe the drivers there are already fixed, and yeah, there will Lopez be no is surprise. Yeah, coming into the main team, isn't he? And I believe that those drivers are already fixed. There will be one Japanese driver in that car, uh, and there will be um, some development drivers going into that car. The question for me is not with the third car, but with the other two cars, and whether the other drivers retain. Well, we know they're their losing places. one because Lopez is coming into the team. Jose Maria Lopez, isn't he? He's running the Toyota next year in WEC. It's been announced. So it's one of the drivers isn't going to fit anymore. It hasn't been announced by Toyota yet, that. It's been announced by Lopez. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a, a 
Porsche have a bigger problem because, um, not a bigger problem, a bigger opportunity because. All right, has this been announced yet? Yes, it is out now. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to pull the handbrake up. Um, at how long ago was it, Nick? Fuji. Yeah. At Fuji, I had a conversation with Roman Dumas, who told me he was walking away at the end of the season. We respected uh, his decision to do that and to make that announcement when he wanted to. Mark Lieb is uh, backing away from his driver duties. Mark said to me a while ago he wants to be the first person to win Le Mans as a driver and as an engineer. He's not going to leave Porsche. He'll continue as a driver, stroke engineer, working with some projects. But his desire now is to work his way up through the engineering side of Porsche, which is a very Porsche thing to do <laughs> if you go back and look at history. And what an accomplishment that could be in the modern era to win as a driver, win Le Mans as a driver and as an engineer. And he's got every chance of doing so it. this means that... Porsche have only had three contracted drivers, or three drivers from the last year being carried forward. But they've appointed another one. So they've got Nick Tandy, obviously, moving into one of the cars. They have Earl Bamber in another car, and they'll have um, Andre Lotter as, as a third point. Well, I, I think Lotter... I don't know this, but I think Lotter has already put pen to paper. Yeah, and Tandy and Bamber the other two. If for the six for the six car for the six drivers for WEC, in my opinion. I wouldn't take either of those two out of their GT contract. I would leave them both in their GT contract. Well, I think they've said that Tandy's going to run, haven't they? I wouldn't take those two out of their GT contracts at the moment. I think that um, they might be disappointed. They could be the third car again. So who are we going in the main car, then? For the whole season? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, wait and see. No, no, this is is the whole point of the programme. You now tell us who you think it is. Right, so, uh, so... the so you've got Hartley, you've got Timo, the Irishman, but Timo Bernard, and, Tim you, or Bernard, and you've yes. got Neil Yarny, the three contracted drivers who carry on to next year in whatever combination they are. And that's the key. What combination might it be? Um, so full season-wise, they need to find three more drivers. And bear in mind that uh, Brendan um, tested the other car in the rookie test. Now you could read something into that if you wanted to. Right. So you've got three drivers for the other car, of which Lotter will be one. Sorry, you've got three drivers. I think Lotter will be one. Obviously. There's two other seats. Yeah. And I thought that Nick Tandy had already been announced. Hmm. So you've only got Bamber, who they have said will be their first choice. I know that doesn't mean anything. And the, and the pick of the Audi drivers, which won't be... We know it won't be Fazler, because Fazler's chatting about other things. Do they want... Benoit? Do they want Degrassi? Do they want uh, like Duval? I think Duval would I be a good I don't show. think they're having Jarvis because Jarvis is already talking about looking for other things. Well, oh, no, that's because he's the one whose contract is at an end. Everybody else is going to get paid. Getting free money. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh, Ollie, unfortunately, has hit the big time at the wrong time for, for him. Um, I think he's done a pretty decent job this year, actually. Um, and I, I think he would do well with another team. Uh, how that works out I'm not entirely sure um, hmm. we'll find out next week at the Porsche Night of Champions well, they and oddly them. again my invitation has not come through is that because you haven't won anything in the Porsche <laughs> I've been a works Porsche driver several times in <laughs> fact just not we this were, season well this morning you told me it turned on it worked yeah exactly 
Absolutely right. Uh, Ryan Ziegler says, I'm in, am I the only one that wants Specutainment to DJ for a few hours a day, perhaps a morning radio show? Been there, done that, got the T-shirt at the bags under my eyes. In fairness, those were Tim's yeah, yeah. record choices. Yeah, they were, absolutely. Well, apart from uh, Vienna. Yeah. That means nothing to me. Um, the uh, FA World Medical Council yeah. has mm-hmm. uh, confirmed the 2017 FA World Endurance Championship calendar as well. Excellent, because I've already booked some of my flights for them. <laughs> yes. Think about our listeners who'd, uh, or collective members who'd already booked a trip to Hungary, which has Hungary? moved a week. <coughs> Hungary wasn't on it. Hungary oh, wasn't Formula on One it. calendar. Uh, the Formula One calendar. Yeah. Ah, right. Um, we've so hang on in Formula One after the world's most long. No, Britain's moved a week, wasn't it? And drawn out season. Basically, everything from Baku has moved. Yes, yeah, so until you get along. to the end of to the, the summer break. So, summer break. So Germany's out. Germany's yep. out. They've Brazil, Brazil's under threat. Interestingly, the British Grand Prix now clashes with Formula E in New York. Oh, excellent! <laughs> so they've got another Formula E. No, it doesn't mean matter apart from so press that, coverage. So that. That is... Particularly as it's a massively different time zone. Mm. And there's no drivers who... Do both. Do both. Not at the moment. Um, so that may... Oh, no, it wasn't New York, was it? it was, was it New York that it clashed with... No, it was Montreal, and that still clashes because nothing's been moved. Right, but that doesn't matter because... Well, it does it to Sebastian Buemi. It doesn't because it'll already have wrapped up the title by then. Well... And Sam well, Bird's only going to be standing at the back end... Uh, Oh no, not in Formula One. Uh, Wack, yeah, you're right. In Wack, um, Buemi will be uh, his contract states that he's uh, a Toyota takes precedence. Obviously. So he will be there. So if he hasn't wrapped the championship up by then, that he's gives got a problem with his double header. That gives an opportunity. Sam Bird, I don't know because I'm led to believe that DS pay quite a lot of money, mm. and um, other than Jimmy Bruni, I don't know how much Ferrari. God, don't kind of walk out Ferrari, do I don't think they probably pay as much as the numbers yeah, but I've it's been not told. Always about money, was it? No, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's the last of the European rounds and championships. I mean, championships this year were won by a handful of points, and as we've just pointed out, it might look t- it might look to see. Oh, I've been um, I've been clickbaited. Um, uh, which is why I kept raising my eyebrows at you. Oh, okay. um, uh, it might depend on how Sam's done in the in the Fee Championship, because as we mentioned, one of the other things that the Motorsport World Council have announced is that GTE is now a full World Championship, a full FIA World Championship, not the Drivers' Cup. It is a proper proper World Championship where you will go to the gala to Vienna well it would be if it was if it was this year it, it would of course be uh, in Vienna it may be Vienna next year where was it last year last year was Abu Dhabi they had a lovely <laughs> party there <laughs> um, and the, uh, uh, the it, given the handful of points as I say decided the world championship for or, or, or decided the championship this year, which Actually, will be I a world championship. Actually, I think the previous year, year might have been Abu Dhabi. I think last year might have been Rome. It was somewhere bizarre last year. It was Monaco for a while, wasn't it? It used to uh, be Monaco then Paris. every year, and then they started then it was moving Paris. around. Mm. Yeah, they start, it was a move, literally a movable feast. Um, <laughs> the, and they had Alan McNish and uh, Louise Beckett uh, present it. Yeah, I was surprised Louise didn't do it. For a while. Now it's Steve Ryder. He may he's, be he's taller on, than both of them. Which, doesn't, which in fairness, you know, isn't... 
Louise is taller than both of them. Doesn't really kind of make up for either of those two. I I think Sam's decision, Sam Bird's decision, will probably depend on how he's doing in each of the championships by then. Mm. There's there's quite a lot of other overlaps if if eight people drive the same way, because obviously Nelson Piquet Jr. was also in WEC, wasn't he, as well? Yeah, but he's not, well, potentially not next year. Uh, It's what is clear is that the WEC is not and was never going to, even when there was eight drivers. When Even when Audi was involved, there were eight drivers that it would have affected. And it was absolutely clear that the WEC could only move, because of the logistics of that being the last European round before they go to Mexico and the Americas, um, the logistics meant that it would have had to move back one week. That was the only way it could move, which meant that the ELMS at Salzburg at the what's that called now the Red Bull Rory. yep no because no Salzburg no Salzburg sorry the Osterreich ring but it is at the A1 but it is at the A1 ring it it is sorry that's the Osterreich ring that's the 1987 name it is at the um, Red Bull ring you're absolutely right that would then have had to have moved the ELMS and there it was made absolutely clear to me from the ACO that there was no way that they were going to inconvenience over a hundred drivers for the sake of the eight best-paid drivers on the grid. That they just wasn't going to happen, and it's certainly not going to happen there when you take the Audi drivers out of it. So you know, I I don't think there's any surprises. Whose there. fault is that? Is that poor it's scheduling? No, it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just the way of the world. People can't. I mean, ultimately, there's only so many weekends that you can run. But if, but if you do have such a heavy cross-fertilisation between two series, you know, it, it, it isn't beyond the wish of man. It's, or you can't avoid F1 both because there's only various other weeks. So therefore, you go right. Let's at least avoid each other. One point one hundred. I thought everything was supposed to be a winter series anyway. And the hair is, I just let you get onto the. It runs, <laughs> runs till July. September to July. End of July. Yes, that's a, that's the winter almost everywhere. But more of the races are in not the months you would consider to be winter. That is true, yeah. If you look at Mexico on the 1st of April, then Monaco 13th of May, Paris 20th of May, June mm. the 10th is Berlin, 1st of July, Brussels, 15th of July and 16th of July, New York. I suppose you could argue that actually it's summer heavy because at the end of the season they've got two double headers. Mm. Um, anyway... Uh, so we go back to calendar on. news? Yes, go on, more calendar news. Uh, because we have a uh, FIA championship that's coming back to Britain. Hurrah! Rallycross. The 2017 FIA Formula 3 European Championship. Oh, you, be, you, you must be delighted about that, are you? Yeah, but it's, it's, you don't know when it's coming back. It's, just got, it's, it's got a TBA, It's coming it? back to uh, the circuit of TBA on the date of TBC. Ah, yeah, right. So who is who is what is Formula Three buddied up with these days? Still mostly DTM. Well, that's not coming. And to DTM Silverstone. doesn't come to the UK. No, it also so doesn't go to Monza or Poe. Um, go to Tinky Winky though. They will be racing with DTM at the Norris Ring, uh, Hungaro Ring, Nurburgring, uh, Spielberg, Hockenheim, the one the true Kino ring. Spa. Spielberg's the Osterreich ring, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Not Salzburg. It's A1 ring. Yes. It's the they were trying ring. to buy. They were trying to buy the Salzburg ring, and then they decided not to. Well, what would be the point having two circuits in one country? Um, well, we have about twelve in our country. Yes. Yeah, but they're and not Spiel. all owned by Red Bull. I'd like to point out the whole of Austria is owned by Red Bull. So you know, what are you going to do? 
moving on. Uh, the FIA World Touring Car Championship announced its calendar. And nobody cares. Wait, wait. Uh, it, has yep. its, <laughs> it has its traditional uh, summer break. Of a year. Um, which this time will be from the 6th of August, uh, oh, right. subject to ASN confirmation of the Argentina race actually going ahead. Because actually, if that race doesn't go ahead, it'll be from the 25th of June until the 15th, 15th of October. When they that, go is to <laughs> that is a that cracking break. That is a cracking break. That is a summer break that is longer than their winter break. So the FIA World <laughs> Touring Car Championship is now <laughs> more of a winter series Excellent. than Formula E. Why don't they just have like a permanent got, break? That's good. They've got more holidays than teachers. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. It's based on calendars. Right. It's He's pointing at me when he says this, by the way. Based about WEC. Oh, has that whole idea of going to a different rotation with the Mons either finishing the whole thing died now then? <sighs> no. The issue that they have got with that, which I think is the only thing that's stopping them going there, uh, and take Formula E out of it because that wasn't in the thought process when this was going on. I think it would have to be now. Um, was... If you have the end of the season at Le Mans, you potentially have the Le Mans winners outshining the world champions. Now, and I understand that. So then do you decide, does Le Mans start the season as the Daytona 24, the Rolex 24 Daytona starts the American season? That's a possibility, and it would be a great way to start the season. But then you're starting a a winter series in inverted commas, in June. And I think it's an interesting concept. They, they would like to do something different. It would mean shuffling around some of the dates, I think. Um, but then your issue is going to be, because now, it's not that long ago in my lifetime, quite a long ago in some of our listeners' lifetime, when the season would finish in end of September, beginning of October, and not really start again till end of March, beginning of April, in terms of European events. Um, now, whilst that might still be true of national events, international events aren't, aren't governed by that anymore. And, for example, the last event that we'll be covering this year, we don't get home until four days before Christmas. And then we leave again straight after New Year to go to Dubai. Mm. So and the row and the row before, you know, it's the winter months now with the opening up of new markets, particularly in the in the Middle East and warmer climes, the winter season is not as bereft of motorsport as it used to be. And particularly interestingly, of course, not endurance racing. And whilst that probably wouldn't bother the factory teams so much. Uh, then, but the privateer teams who are still, to the major extent, relying on gentleman driver money or ex uh, GP2 and GP3 driver money, um, they still have, would have to compete with some of those other events, particularly in the GT classes. And I, and I, I think that is is a consideration now, where it wouldn't have been maybe five, certainly ten years. Ago, but there is still a desire to do something different that allows Le Mans to be um, to still be what it is, which is the world's greatest motor race. It's just in the middle of a season at the moment, and the problem has been 
And in fact, I think if you look at the calendar this year, you'll notice the Nürburgring's moved even closer to Le Mans. It's about as close as it can get now to do the turnaround time. About a month is what the teams say. Again, the private teams say it takes them about a month to get back from Le Mans, rebuild the cars and get them back out on the road again. Um, so that's about as close as you get. So you have your biggest race of the year. You have all this major attention. And then, you know, in the past, we've had five or six weeks where there's been nothing and you lose all that momentum. And I think they want to get away from that. Um, so if that was the end of the season, great. If it was the beginning of the season, great. But you still have to have that next race pretty close to it. Can Tough. we get back to you the uh, FIA World Touring Car Championship? Go for it. <laughs> I'm going to read from the uh, facts that has come to me from the FIA World Oh, Tour hang Council. on, hang on, hang on. Can you turn the bed down to us a bit? Because I can't hear you very well. I'm sure it's fine to the listener. Is this about qualifying? No. <gasps> Is it about a fight in the paddock? No, go on, read away then, and then we'll come back to qualifying. I'm going to dim our mics now. At the request of the WTCC promoter, the World Motorsport Council approved further investigation into the possibility of implementing a joker lap on its temporary circuits. This process currently sits with the FIA's Safety and Circuit Commission. Keep going. Well, no, then it just talks about the calendar. They are taking the mickey, surely. How do you have a joke like that? What, you have to do one lap of the Grand Prix circuit at Brands Hatch and the rest of the time you do the, the Indy circuit? Only on the temporary street circuit, so it will apply right. to uh, Villarreal in Portugal and to uh, Marrakesh in Morocco and, well, Can you imagine not if, if, Macau in <coughs> Macau because Can you imagine if you get the disaster. If you get the marshalling post on the extra loop and you just see one car a day, then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you'd see all of the cars. Well, once. Just, just once. once. So basically, because they have two races quite close together, and they'll be sitting there going, "Hang on, are, are they on their winter break already? They're turning up." <laughs> yes, <laughs> is it September already? If it's October, it must be World Touring Cars. Can we can we call it the September lap instead of the joke lap? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's very little going on there. Or indeed, in August or much of October. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, I, I I that. That is the absolute epitome of why the World Touring Car Championship is losing its way. <laughs> when you say losing, <laughs> oh, all right, all right. long since lost. <laughs> and relevance. <laughs> I mean, it, it was the... Uh, WTCC was the World Touring Citroen Championship for a while because they were putting all the money in. Now they've pulled out. And it... I mean, what are they going to do to get some interest back to it? It, it really well, joke is. collapse. Uh, they're going to have a second class of car, um, which will basically be TCR cars. Anything not a Citroen? Uh, that was the second Citroens. class of car for the last couple of years. <laughs> um, they're changing uh, the rules to make it more expensive, which will uh, <laughs> good. Which good. will get rid of all the privateers um, because That's they've, all got, there is. they've got no manufacturer teams. So uh, we'll see what happens. Well, it sounds to me it's going to slowly disappear up its own exhaust pipe. There's also going to be a uh, change in the point scoring system. Of course there are. Because when you come out, because you're going to have a little person dressed in your team wear coming out with a joker to get double points somewhere. Do you, do you not f- see what they should really do? That you should get more points the later in the season. is. That's why they've got a three-month gap. Because all the races in June and July are only worth 10 points. But by the time you get to August, they're worth 25. Because the points have grown in a natural way. 
and then you harvest them. You harvest the points. I I feed the points. I grow the points. I harvest the points. Um, There's uh, a cultural reference that most people won't get. I know. T. Falker says, wasn't there an intent at one stage to call both ways round Villarreal in the FIWTC? Um, is the joker lap a realisation of that? That's fantastic. Half the field going one way around the track and half the field going at the other. <laughs> Actually, it might cut down on crashes. That is true. <laughs> Perhaps they could miss the, one of the half the field could miss at the first call. The louts look really. They go, that's was a crash in half, isn't it? Oh, my the, goodness. The uh, David Tubrews, by the way, says on the um, WEC thing, I do like the, fo- the fact that um, after Le Mans, Fawkes switches to the WEC Championship. He said, leave it the way it is. Oh, OK, I understand that. Sorry, WTC, carry on. Uh, right Turn Lover says, good that I have recently retired from watching the FIA WTCC. Hmm. Can we call it the Jump the Shark lap? <laughs> and Mickens Motorsport <laughs> says, hashtag penguins. Yes. And if you don't know, look it up. Go on to your favourite. So we before. have, we have. I can't believe we have any listeners who are not aware of it now. Yeah, there should be some. Here comes the Belgian. There should be some <laughs> videos embedded in the Midweek Motorsport page on the on the website I before well listening to the to our YouTube uh, channel. Exactly. Yes. So this basically, so people know the required viewing before you start. Which from this week we have a lower low. Um, we have the Vienna point. video, and we now There's have the penguins. <laughs> the penguins from. Uh, um, it's, it's a knockout. knockout. Yeah. Uh, just to on front here, actually. Good point. Um, <laughs> the opening race, which is race yes. one, uh, no, really? will <laughs> continue with the current point scoring system. And the second race, which is called the main race, will uh, now score as follows. First, 30 points. Second, 23 points. Third, 19 points. Fourth, 16. Fifth, 13. Sixth, 10. Seventh, what? 7. Eighth, Who? 4. Ninth, when? 2. And 10th, 1. Have you seen the qualifying procedure? It's not mentioned in the facts. Oh, I'll leave that till. Shall we leave that till? Have we got time? I'm not sure that we. Um, it's half time, isn't it? Have we got? We, let, let me see if I can get it up quickly. And well, in um, the meantime, I'll talk about the ridiculous calendar for the FIA European Touring Car Cup. Uh, mm-hmm. Starts okay at Monza, uh, then goes mm-hmm. to the Hungara Ring. Nothing really wrong with that. The Nurburgring Nordschleifer is round three. Oh, um, excellent! I'll be doing two laps of that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's on the 24-hour weekend. It again. is, yes. Uh, then they go to uh, Villarreal in Portugal uh, for a street race, uh, supporting the WTCC. Yeah. Uh, then Zolder. No, they Belgium. are the WTC. Oh no, sorry, the European no, Tour right. Cup. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then to the Czech Republic, but not to Brno. They're going to Murcht. Murcht. Where's Murcht? It's in the Czech Republic. Czech Republic oh, is just yeah, Georgia. obviously, but where and, and what a, is it doing? It's a and bike circuit, and it's okay. M O S T. Oh, most. 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 Right. F I. Uh, Anywhere else going? I'm only going. That's it. Uh, they're not going to Enna again, which I'm very disappointed Enna with Pagusa. again, because I still want to go to Enna and see a race, and nothing seems to go there anymore. Um, finally, a question for Nick. Yes. Um, if a championship was to award someone the title of junior champion, mm-hmm. what would that indicate about that champion? I would assume that champion was below a minimum age level. My what guess would be... What sort of age level? 18? 18. John? 
25. 25. 25. That's quite That's high. That's very high. Uh, the FIA European Rally Championship is to run uh, FIA European Junior Championship. Right. Uh, for drivers under the age of 28. Hmm. How is that junior? You could legally have a 10-year-old child. <laughs> In some countries. 12-year-old child. Legally have a 12-year-old or 13-year-old well, I say legally. I mean, I was... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have, I have not been able to find the, um, the qualifying... Oh, here we are. Right, I've got it. Uh, you've got to... Give, give me two seconds uh, to get this up because the... Um, I want to read you, and I know we're, we're, we're moving into the second half of the show, uh, and we'll we'll have Christmas Eve in a moment. I, I am oh, I can't get it up, um, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> yes, well there we it's are. It's the internet. <laughs> you can't get it up because there's no internet. Well there I we can't go. Get it up because of the internet. <laughs> Not the first it's person to say spotty. that. <laughs> go, please go and have a look at the FIA World Motorsport Council decision, and try and make head or tail of the touring car qualifying procedure, which basically the only line that it's missing is, except on a market day in Stockton upon Tees. Mm. If it's happening, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening in Stockton. And if you thought that hour was packed with insights and comments, wait till you hear what's next. Oh, we've got a packed second hour of the programme, Series 11, Episode 44. Nick Damon is with me, John Hindoff at Hindoff Towers. Marshall Pruitt will be talking all things American, and there's plenty of sports car news uh, from the colonies that we can uh, mull over in the second 60 minutes of tonight's programme. Plenty of sports car news this side as well. No Graham Goodwin tonight. He's on a plane heading towards Japan. Uh, heading towards the Asian Le Mans series race at Fuji this weekend. And uh, we've got, uh, well, uh, is there time for a pointless press release of the week? Possibly. There were some absolute crackers last week. But stand by, get the Christmas jingles out, pen and paper, because it's Eve's Christmas presents Midweek next. Motorsport on RadioLeMans.com. Oh, very nice. As is traditional for this feature, Kenny G has been brought out. Very good. He only comes out once a year. He only needs to. That's true enough. Uh, Say good evening to the responsible adult. Hello, responsible adult. Hello. You may have to speak louder. Responsible adult's very quiet. You may need to turn them up. I'm not sure sure that I can hear Tim. Right, okay. Let me get this one out of my headset, which works. No, 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 don't do that. Right. Uh, I, all it needs to me is to turn it up, actually. It's probably the easiest thing. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's the one. There's an air gap. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a bit of an air gap there? <laughs> well, I haven't seen me move so quickly since I asked her to marry me. <laughs> Come on, get the headset on. We haven't got all night. Nick had managed to pull the headset out with his foot. I can, see. Can, no, it's down. It's down, don't We've worry. Still got you two can't minutes go of Kenny G. You've got plenty of time. Right. Oh. Oh. Is that better, eh? No, no. Well, that's just because of the Right, this is Christmas Eve. 
Right. Help me help. Right. Is it still too late? Yes. Uh, how's that? Oh, much better. Okay. I apologise, listener, for the yelp. If you heard that. <laughs> it's very funny. Wish we'd had um, video in here. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is the now traditional Eve's Christmas presents. And yes. Eve is in our presents. Uh, so crack on. What have you got? 12 days of Christmas. So 12 See? bits and pieces. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with the fabulously arty Drew Gibson endurance calendar. Oh, yes. Very good indeed. It's fab. I have one here. Look. We have one here. Beautiful. Very nice. Uh, it is at Drew's website. Drew-Gibson.co.uk. Lovely. All good. Uh, featuring a variety of manufacturers on there. Yes. For some of these items, I shall... Well, I'll post all of them, but I shall be posting special offers. Oh, will you? For our listener. Where's that? On Facebook? They'll be on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Carry well, on. Uh, in, for those who don't have Facebook, I'll tweet them out. Okay. Individually. Yes. Right. Number two. So... The reason I mentioned that was I respect sunglasses. Yes. One of our longest standing Very important though. for the low winter sun, as we discovered today. Yes. Very good. Very good indeed. Don't think about it as summertime. Present. And they've just launched a, a membership scheme. Yes. As well. So, uh, at, uh, I respect. Yes. And the glasses are I respect direct, I think. Yeah. So, yes. Ask Alex Brundle if you um, want an unbiased <laughs> view, because he's got a pair of Alex now. He's very proud of those in the uh, bar in Paddock. Which actually named after Alex Lynn, of course. Oh, right. What well, named Alex the other racing driver? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. oh dear, let's not mention that. Still waiting for a set of hindies. Moving on. Duke Videos, Le Mans 2016 DVD, for, featuring yeah. the dulcet tones of the Radio Le Mans team. Yeah, and just the Radio Le Mans team this year, I think. I hope so. Um, four hours long the DVDs are and we will have a discount code yes, for that yes we will have a discount code for that the standard the standard price is 14.99. I believe there will be a Blu-ray version out and keep an eye open for uh, keep an eye open for our discount code coming soon Gosh. next uh, Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective Swear from Spider available through the website on the front page this is your last chance Really? We have restocked some items so that there are there are a few more bits and pieces in sizes that had sold out, but once it's gone, it's gone. Okay, moving on. Quality stuff, by the way. It is fantastic, because our stuff Can has been washed more, and washed and washed and washed and please, washed. Please may I have another T-shirt? Yes, for Christmas. Yes. Yes. Thank you. It's so what I've got last year. I actually got a Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective polo shirt I haven't for got Christmas. One. I never got one. <gasps> never got one. Is that a hint? I mm, think so. Just we'll wrap his Christmas present in it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great <laughs> idea. Moving on. Ah, now, uh, the lovely René de Burr has produced a celebration of Porsche's victory at Le Mans. Yeah. This is the second Le Mans victory book in yep. a row. And uh, René, who is the master of every language on the planet, yes, uh, this is in English, French and German, Yes, I believe. Or is it just English and German? Rather, rather under, 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 underperforming uh, his, his polyglot skills, yes. He... Um, and it's lovely. It, it, it is a, it is a coffee table book, but a bit more than that because Correct. there's a, a a lot of lovely pictures, but there's a lot of good facts that in there as well. That is from Group C Motorsport, but I notice it is also available from um, Amazon. I dare say it's available from other purveyors of books. Right, excellent. Moving on. Yeah, I feel a bit, bit naked without that music. Honestly. Oh, I know. Where's Kenny J? Where's my bed? Um... Lionheart, Remembering Dan Weldon, another ah, book. Yes. Uh, Andy Holbury, our very good friend, um, also available through Amazon. And I think at the um, at the museum at 
Indy. Yes, you're absolutely from right. From memory. It's a it's lovely. It's a really nice celebration of, of Dan's life. Yeah, very good actually. Very good indeed. Lots of books, lots of good books this year. Yes. Uh, more to come in the list as well. Next. Uli Eret, our good friend the Uli. The lovely Uli Eret, who At is a e- brilliant watercolour, generally, artist, although yeah. he's moving into doing some pencil work as well. Yes, he's always done some pencil work, but he hasn't tended to sell that. Mm. Um it, that is at eretdesigns.de and he does ship. They're lovely Christmas cards and uh, some watercolours. Really good presents. And we should mention a couple of men- members of the uh, collective as well. Uh, Dan Hansel is uh, doing some good work. And, of course, our lovely friend who did my Porsche uh, as well, Neil. Yep. Who is Gardner. Neil Gardner, who... Um, who did the 911 uh, available for commissions if you want something absolutely absolutely personal for a motorsport friend then well, there could be nothing better Paul Markart will be having one done of his new sports red sports car of which he has just taken delivery has he? yes what, what, what's that then? Oh, you'll have to wait and see it's very mm-hmm. smart uh, three books in a row but I'm going to count them as one okay um, Aussie Grit My Formula One Journey by Mark Webber says he will never write another book the question that I asked him are you going to update the book to include the WEC he said it was the hardest thing he ever did uh, Johnny Herbert what does yeah. oh yeah got a book out you know he's got a book out what doesn't kill you it's called yes mm-hmm. well that's very appropriate there which apparently is very good I have not had a chance to read that yet because uh, no sensible person has sent me a review copy um, and Damon Hill's Watching the Wheels so we're not doing Ross Braun's book. He's got a book out, you know. Ross he Braun has. has got a book out. But yes, we're not Ross, recommending it, though. Yes, Ross, if you're listening, a review you copy, would be, a out, copy would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those with very deep pockets, um, I think... I want the set of these. I think this is a great present. But, but How like deep I said, is the pocket? Quite 3,750 oh of your God. English pounds. Wow. So barely a handbag, really. <laughs> so not even a Kelly bag, really. Not it's an not Hermes even Kelly bag. a whole handbag, that. No, no. No, it's not a Kelly bag, is it? No. From Hermes. No, no. No, no I know that. It's, it's scary that it's, I know that. It's a tenth of a Birkin. The, this, um, anyway, the Aston Martin Wings collection. This is, all this Off year... All this year, Aston Martin have had individually yeah, enamelled, in handmade colours, yeah. wings for the countries that they have competed in. Mm. And they are now available as a set, which I think is a limited edition. 250. Of 250 yeah. for 3750 a pop. So but they're all done. Nine. Nine. All of the FIAWEC rounds had a separate one. Wow. Is it nine or ten? Nine, yeah. There you go. I suppose you've got an Aston Martin. That's just, just it's the stuff he doesn't find as, on the a set. back of the sofa, really, isn't it? <laughs> a set would look really nice in the studio. Hello, Aston. Wonder, so Roland Goethe has got at least three of those. So. Well, I mean, I presume the guys who raced with them will want a set of those. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. You can and they're all individually numbered, and they're taking orders for the numbers. So don't expect to get 007, <laughs> 95, 97 or 98, because no, the drivers okay. will have had those already. You would think so. Uh, Travel Destination's new catalogue is out, their oh, yes. new brochure. So I think you should take a look in the new brochure and surprise the one you love. Or go to Travel Destination's website. Ooh, watch their videos. They're really well made. The, the videos are very good. <laughs> very evocative. If you're having, indeed, if you're having trouble <laughs> getting the one you love to surprise you, then I suggest <laughs> they go and watch the, the video. Travel Sense Destination's the video. videos. Which are very well made. Yes, indeed. <laughs> 
Yes, indeed. Very good. Next. Uh, I think a little trip across the pond to the imsa.com shop wouldn't be a bad idea. Right. Uh, particularly as they have those really lovely Justin Wilson, Wilson uh, tribute T-shirts. Oh, yeah, they're really good. <laughs> Excuse me. Which are really, really nice. And they've got just loads of other really cool stuff. Uh, IMSA stuff, weather tech stuff. Cyber Monday reduction still in place. Ooh. Yeah, and and a lot of people ask us when they see us in the IMSA paddock about decals. Yes. Um, because we try to put an IMSA radio decal on everything, everything <laughs> that moves and most thing that doesn't. That's, that's called vandalism and tagging in most other well, isn't it? It's branding, darling. <laughs> there there branding. are IMSA decals <laughs> so available. If you stick it on a motor hauler, it's branding. If you paint it on a tube tray, it's vandalism. What do you call it if you stick it under the counter? Of, never mind. <clears throat> <laughs> and finally, mm-hmm. and I am awaiting information on this because it only uh, premiered last week, mm-hmm. the DVD of the ACO's Le Mans 2016 movie should be ready to uh, go on sale if it is not already uh, before Christmas but I have not had a reply now as we yet. found out at the at the <laughs> premiere there are two versions of this the international version is different from the French language one by about three minutes hey yes it's a completely different edit it's a different edit and a different VO so it's not just the same pictures with a different voiceover it actually has a different end and Toyota won one of them. I'm not going to tell you which one. No, it's not. Um, there the... were people in that cinema on Thursday crying. Yes, there were. Again. It was. It was. We haven't talked about that, Eve. Actually, no. and, and maybe we should because we were. Is that your last one, by yes. the way? Yes. Yes. Um, we. As we'll... I say, I'll put them all up on the uh, collective. Right. Um, incredibly busy week for us last week because we did I did the keynote speech at Bentley Motorsport Awards we did the um pre- of the year show. premiere we did the, the the person of the year show we did the premiere of the uh the, the movie at Son Satana at a multiplex at Le Mans so uh, think think about this thing. not just in one screen yeah, well this is what I was going to say so uh, all right it's at Le Mans yeah. but there were three movie screens playing this, it out at the same time right, and yeah. the Q&A. Over a thousand people turned right. up and paid their money. Um, was it one in English and two in French? No, no, no. It was all in French there. And we broadcast the English language or the international version to the world. Basically synced up at the same time. So Bruno did his hellos. I, along with a very lovely la- lady called Emma Emma. Uh, Paul Lee, who works for the ACO, uh, helped me out with some of the uh, translation, and we we basically filled in the gaps, a bit like Eurovision Song Contest. Actually, it was really quite enjoyable. And then at the end, there was a Q and A section. See how lit up they were. You would have loved it. Uh, and then at the end, there was a Q and A section again that we sort of mm-hmm. filled in for the so international if one audience. Was three minutes shorter than the other. How did that work? We had to fill for a bit longer than we thought. <laughs> the, the the interesting thing about it was, I've not seen a motor racing movie like that in a theater, in a movie theater before. Mm-hmm. And seeing Le Mans, particularly the 2016 Le Mans, on the big screen was extraordinary, Ave, wasn't mm. it? 
And when we were watching the French version, and then I had to run back outside to my salubrious accommodation in the <laughs> in the back of a VW Caravelle to do the international feed. Um, oh, the when they said he was going to be in a cabine, I rather took them at their word. It turned out he was in the back of a bus. <laughs> I was in the back well. of a Caravelle. The Citroen um, cabine, of course. Uh, yeah, no, well, it was a VW. Um, yeah, it was a Caravelle. But to see... Now, all right, it was only 95 minutes or something like that. But to see Le Mans in all of its glory on the big screen, is that the first time I've seen sports cars like that since the mid-1970s when I first saw Le Mans, the movie, mm-hmm. not on as, as big a screen as that, but on a relatively big screen in a school hall? Uh, with well, a... relative to you at the time, probably about the same scale <laughs> because you were little and it was Thanks. big. Yeah. Thanks Ooh. for that. Thanks. Now I'm slightly um, more cinemascope myself. Now you're you're widescreen, so is the show. Yes, indeed. But wasn't it interesting how people reacted, even though, you know, it's a bit like Titanic, you know the end of the story, don't you? But it it was interesting how people reacted, how they laughed. I glanced sideways at at the end at a few people who were sitting on the aisle next to me because I was sitting right at the back. And there were people crying. They, but they to people. No, actually, they were ACO people, funnily enough. Extraordinary. So two different versions of Le Mans in terms of the movie. There's the edited television coverage from Duke, four hours with the Le Mans, uh, uh, the Mobile One Radio Le Mans coverage. And then there's the official film, which is about, as I say, 95, 100 minutes long, um, which includes some footage that you won't have seen before. Yeah. Um, because the ENG crews that go around Laurent and Hervé and some of the rest of the guys who go around with the WEC, all of that footage got put in there. Olivier uh, and Hervé did the edit, and basically it was, uh, it was I thought it was a, a very interesting film. I, I won't, I, I'm not going to say what I thought about because I don't want it to spoil it for everybody. I think mm. it's worth looking at because it takes a slightly different look at Le Mans from what you might expect. It, yes. was, it was really, particularly this year's Le Mans, as obviously it's building towards the last three minutes of the race. That's obvious. But there's parts on it that, about it that make you laugh, that make you sit up and take notice. And even I went, oh, I'd forgotten all about that. Because, of course, you're not there the whole 24 hours. Definitely worth whatever it yes. is when it comes out. Yes. Have we got a release date on that yet? No, I'm just waiting for Nico to, Nico Cusso to come back to me or Hélène Dagoro. Uh, and, um, and of course, next year, uh, in case you want to keep your pennies in your piggy bank, we have the 3D movie coming. Yes. And also, I should mention that another good friend of ours, uh, Andy Blackmore, has some of his art in the IMSA shop as well, which is worth... Ah, does he? That's always worth a look then. Um, I, I know Andy's listening at the moment, so I'm going to ask him this question over the air and he'll send me a message. Is your Justin Wilson... Um, career poster still available, Andy? Because if so, I'll give that a plug as well. Because that I know that was a heck of a lot of hard work doing the I research for that, and the collective helped out uh, somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is, um, that was it would be brilliant um, to know because that was uh, uh, really good. Uh, he's, Andy says, by the way, I saw Grand Prix once in a theatre in London. It was a, an amazing experience. I I'd like would, to see that. If so, I would if love. Some, if someone was showing Grand Prix I've it, seen in it. West End, I would go and see it. I saw it at the. But we've missed the 50 year anniversary, haven't we? Was it? Yeah. Oh, I, no, actually, no, no, it must be coming out. Uh, I saw it. Must be 50 years. I think mm, next new, year. New Tyne, New Tyne Theatre or something no, like that. 
they did a retrospective of movies from around that time. And I saw Get Carter on the big screen. Uh, and I saw... Local favourite. It, it very much was, <laughs> yes. Um, and managed to get take Graham Goodwin to the car park in uh, Gateshead. The week, push him off it? The week before it was demolished, actually. Um, and and the other one was Grand Prix. And Grand Prix on the big screen, Nick, I'd go and watch it again. It's a long movie, though. It's two hours 30-something. I watched it on a plane recently. It's, it's four hours 26. Four, it's not four hours 26. At 2.30 something. Uh, so it's there we are. That's the Christmas opera. presents this year. Uh, well, AndyBlackmoreDesign.com, uh, by the way, if you want to see some the release like date for stuff. Grand Prix. Yes. Right. It was December the 21st, 1966. Oh, it's oh. kind of 50 years. So why is no one showing it for 50 year anniversary? Right. Because it's just four days before Christmas. Yeah, but even so. And they're all showing gremlins and... Uh, right, who? <laughs> no, but it, it needs to be on in a... You're right, Nick. It needs to be on in a theatre somewhere. On a 50-year, surely. It the Prince, it the re- Prince Charles cinema is bound to do something, aren't they? Well, all right. I'm going to ask now the collective to keep an eye out and tweet me if you see yes. it on somewhere at the cinema. Where Where was it we used to go to do the dinner and cinema evenings? Oh, the Covent Garden Hotel. Right, because they've got a private cinema, haven't they? Yes. Right. I, uh, it, we won't be able to do it on the date, but I think we should put a, a Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective evening together. That's a brilliant idea. I got them to show Cool Hand Luke. You did get them to show Cool Hand if you Luke. Get we the, if you get them to show back-to-back, Grand Prix in Le Mans, and then I'm pretty certain we could sell all the tickets. They're really comfy seats. Please. They're really comfy seats. <laughs> right, we're going to work on that. kip as well. <laughs> we're going to work uh, on that. Right, I'm going to leave you with the mince pies that the elves brought. That's very good. Oh, yeah. going to go back to watch the rest of the football league. <laughs> of course she is. Well. It's not going well. I don't think she is. <laughs> who's, who's playing tonight? It's uh, Arsenal it's versus Southampton. Oh, uh, right. So it's a oh, real local oh, one a bit then. Of a grudge uh, match, that. Yeah, it's going better for Tim, put it that way. Oh, goodness me. It never helps when I go and watch. I'm very bad luck for uh, Andy tells me that the... Uh, that the print that I was talking about, the Justin Wilson print, was a very limited edition run, uh, but there is a downloadable wallpaper. It's in the news section of Andy Blockmore Design. Uh, if you want, if you haven't seen it, please go and have a look at it. It's, it's absolutely very, very, mega. very good. Yeah, very, very, very good indeed. Uh, you're did, listening did to Midwing. Did you mention the Ford GT Lego? No, it's not, it's not available March. till March. I know, but at least they are putting that car into production. Oh, <laughs> very good! You have just won the internet. Today. Uh, apparently, they will be ready for delivery first. That is very, that is very, very good, Tim. You may have just won the internet. I heard um, something slice wide open. There. Absolutely. <laughs> we can say good evening uh, to Marshall Pruitt. Marshall, are you with us? Good evening, sir. Good evening, Marshall. Oh, you've joined. You've joined us in uh, in full festive mood. Full. Fe- uh, uh, any any particular things that have caught your eye for Christmas presents for for petrol heads and motor racing fans this year? Oh Lord! What will you be putting on? You you do like a nice you do like a nice book, don't you? And you do like a nice. I know you've got a fondness for particular models and things like that. And by that I mean car models, by the way. Um. Anything do, caught your eye? I do like me them word books. Them word books <laughs> them is word real books. good and satisfying and whatnot. <laughs> uh, let's see. I haven't read it, but it is on my... It, you know how this works since I am a December baby? 
Uh, whenever I oh. see something that I like, knowing that I have both a birthday in December and we have Christmas, for those of us who observe Christmas, I just forward the things that I like to my wife and say, Brilliant. if Santa were to bring this or uh, it were to come earlier. Of the things I've forwarded, uh, I haven't read it yet, but uh, would love it, is David Phillips' new book about uh, the Ford Chip Ganassi Racing Team's yeah. uh, formation and trip and success at Le Mans. So that's on the list. When's uh, the Ford I... movie out as well? Because there was a, a documentary a movie being put together for that, and I thought that was going to be out by now. When it, when is when is that? Because I know you're in that, aren't you? Well, I was supposed to be. I was actually due to fly down to be interviewed for it because they apparently have extremely, extremely bad uh, judgment. Um <laughs> And I was, I mean, genuinely woke up and was uh, heading out the door to catch my flight to L.A. And uh, we had a bit of a uh, family emergency at home, and we'll leave it as vague as that, that uh, had to apologize. And they had, I was the last interview, and uh, the next window for me to come down did not fit with production, so you'll not be seeing my large, Uh. hairy face. But I do believe it should be soon. I know that the documentary adam carolla uh, whose production team did the excellent paul newman winning uh recent documentary uh his their piece on i believe it was the 66 or 67 le mans race uh, uh ford versus a ferrari that has already come out so i believe you can ah. download it digitally and if you go straight to their website which i don't remember the url they're selling a blu-ray and dvd version of it so i afforded that to my wife and then i'll tell you one last quick thing because i'm a big belief in in (laughs) self-gifting me too Um, it's how you get what you want isn't it (laughs) yeah well and then my dear wife who's amazing and and gladly receives all the emails I forward from the motorsport collector or whomever else is selling the, the things that I want. Uh, I happened to be on eBay last weekend, always a dangerous and costly activity, and found something I did not know exist. It, it was very expensive. Well, under $100, but I just decided I had to have it, and it was a birthday gift to myself. It is yet to arrive, but Ooh. it is a it's a record, a ni- an oh. LP from 1965. Riverside Records by any chance? Uh, they might have been, it might be produced by Riverside, but it's not so much audio, racing audio. Oh. It's a Dan Gurney record. Dan Gurney just talking about his career and this and that. And there are also some sounds of Formula One cars and other stuff per the description. So for, I think it was $85, it might have even been 90 American. I didn't even know it existed. I've never hidden the fact that. Dan's kind of my superhero. Uh, yeah, so I bought myself a Dan Gurney record. Have you got game. a record player to play it on? Oh, absolutely. I used to be a, a DJ, a very yes. bad one. So did uh, I, but it doesn't mean I've got, I've got all my records. I don't have any turntables anymore. I've, got, get I, I've got my record collections. It's still at about 3,000, plus I have my nice deck. So, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we're all good here. Oh, <laughs> uh, very good. Very good. Um, busy week. Busy week. Let's talk Daytona prototypes to start with, because um, been plenty of news about that today. We'll, we'll, let's update what's been going on um, over at Mazda. They're uh, unveiling and they're uh, talking to us ahead of the unveiling a few weeks ago was the big story. Car's been out and running. I know you've been talking to John Doonan, um, the man at the top of, of Mazda, 
sport in the US today uh, ahead of um, some more public running. Um, how is that very, very lovely Soul Red Crystal, uh, those Soul Red Crystal cars going uh, in the early running? Well, things that have gone well. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, they and here's big, big props to the Mazda team. Uh, they've set up this morning. Actually, the alert went out last night, but they set up this morning the first conference call that I've seen a sports car manufacturer do, at least in North America, to say, hey, we're going to try and talk to you, the members of the media, on a somewhat regular basis. Got questions? Fire away. So uh, rather, we see that in IndyCar. There's usually a weekly teleconference, and I know that there are other series or teams that maybe do that, but this is the first time I've seen it on the IMSA level where a, a manufacturer has said, all right, we're going to do this. So good on them. Uh, had, I think, seven or eight folks uh, join in. And uh, Doonan provided some updates on the testing, said they've uh, been to North Carolina, um, which probably means Charlotte, which is also a place where the Cadillac team tested, uh, conducted a, or went there to conduct a 28-hour 28 28 test. Wow. Uh, and then were uh, just at, packed up and left today from Road Atlanta, site of the recent uh, Petit Le Mans season finale, uh, said it hadn't rained in something like 40-plus days. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, naturally it rained yesterday. Of course it did. It did dry out a bit in the afternoon, and then uh, I guess it was bucketing down enough today where they just packed up and said goodbye. Uh, but, yeah, things have gone well. Uh, did not provide any lap times, nor would I expect them to, but did say that from doing data overlays, they were very impressed by the uh, increase in overall performance. Uh, said the team, has, the team, even down to the drivers, have just uh, enjoyed the fact that the uh, new P2 car, the 2017 spec P2, is four inches wider and seven inches longer <laughs> than its predecessor, and just, you know, said, wondered if it felt like you were towing a trailer behind you with all the extra length, but uh, said they were pleased progress has been good had some problems had heard that there was some uh minor issues with the routing of uh some some gearbox cooling componentry that was rectified but the, again those are the exact reasons in late november you were at road atlanta pounding around to find these problems with a new car mm-hmm. if we're talking about we did three laps and then grabbed 50 pounds of oil dry you'd be seriously concerned the fact that they can go out and run and uh, deal with the small issues you look to find at this time that tells me things are going in the right direction last quick thing to note Heidi is uh, Dunan also said that they have been running on their 2015-16 spec uh, gas turbo engine there will be some some minor I don't know modest modifications Mm -hmm. to it for uh, the 2017 spec they didn't reveal what they were but did not portray those changes as massive Uh, next week they are headed to the NASCAR dyno where IMSA will will perform its engine benchmarking for its DPI uh, manufacturers they just completed wind tunnel benchmarking Uh, so from that point on, with the 2017 spec motor going on IMSA's dyno, uh, they expect to have the full, everything ready for next season kit to uh, to be ready for, uh, I would say, end of December. And that uh, dyno session will include a Cadillac, uh, as we were expecting. No big shock what? there. What? Uh, however, the car. Now, a selection of pictures sent out... Um, by Kyle Tura earlier on today, some in camouflage, um, but some without. 
And the ones without, very nice of them to have the Audi Sport tribute livery on that car, <laughs> I think, to start with. Right all, right, all joking aside, looks something between an Audi R18 uh, and a Porsche 919. Incredible looking car, very low side profile uh, on this Cadillac. Running what engine will be on that dyno then when they go up to... Uh, to IMSA's testing facilities, NASCAR's testing facilities. We have added more than a uh, top top line MotoGP engine in terms of uh, <laughs> capacity increase, Hindy. We've gone from the five and a half liter small block Chevy, which propelled the uh, uh, Chevy Corvette Daytona prototype to well, three consecutive uh, championships. They have increased to 6.2 liters of what? capacity. Yes, which uh, aligns itself perfectly with uh, Cadillac's, I believe, uh, CTSV. Yeah. So its road car displacement and racy car displacement uh, are definitely awesome and, again, aligned bigger so we would expect more torquage more power more everything they're claiming 630 horsepower and 620 pound feet of torque granted uh as you know and i think as most of the uh well well educated midweek motorsport listeners know there is one thing in terms of what these motors can make without restrictors. Yeah. Then there's what balance of performance does. So will it make 630 uh, once we get to the qualifying for the Rolex 24? Don't know. I think that's honestly going to be based on what the other brands can uh, can produce as well. And I'm not saying they would not, the Nissan or Mazda would not be able to hit that number. But if one comes in down, you know, 30 horsepower down, mm -hmm. I would not expect IMSA to say, nope, you have to turn it up and risk blowing this thing up. They would most likely ask the others to, con to concede a little bit. So will we see that 630? Could it be more? Uh, that's another thing, which, again, this hasn't been included in press releases, but I've had it confirmed from a few different places, that IMSA has told its manufacturers, based on performance, uh, that we see on track uh, what we the numbers we get out of the wind tunnel that lead us to believe what your straight line speeds can be simulations, the engine dyno. We could ask you to go up to 640 or 650. Oh. Keep in mind, they're also trying to mind the gap. They, uh, with three other classes uh, to contend with. There's also the uh, the topic of what's the separation. Yes. Uh, in, lap, in lap time, closing speeds, there's a lot of factors for them to consider when it comes to the just straight raceability by introducing these lighter, faster, everything-er DPIs. So with all <laughs> that in mind and knowing that we have three DPIs, we don't know what kind of power, downforce, and drag all of them make yet, uh, look for the power figures to be adjusted accordingly in the name of harmony. Uh, the uh, we've not seen the Nissan yet, of course, uh, but that, that that's extraordinary to me. If we've got 6.2 liters, that'll be the biggest engine. Two liters will be the smallest engine. The Nissan will be somewhere in the in the middle uh, of there, probably around about 3.8. So we're going to have a four-cylinder turbo, a six-cylinder twin turbo, and a big honking V8. Cracking! I, I, I mean, really, there must be people on the other side of the Atlantic who are looking at this, going, "I'm so pleased we're going to get these cars coming to Le Mans." Oh, oh, hang on, no, we're not. Yeah, and 
We are. This is yet another midweek motorsports special that we've yet to record, Heidi. But <laughs> yeah, what do we what do we like about racing? Variety. Yeah, at, at its core, we like things that are different. Yeah. I don't know any human being that has wakes up and says, "I want everything the same." I want everything in my life to just be indistinguishable and characterless. Granted, if you're I'm if you're running a racing team and the costs are just wildly prohibitive, you might end up with something like the WEC Spec P2s. Uh, the FIA, the ACO pulled their teams. Teams said, "Hey, costs are truly uh, rising at a rate that we might not be able to sustain." Keeping in mind that this is a global championship what did they do they came up with some measures to try and bring things down at least on the vehicle costs the operating costs which included having to buy a whole new car and a whole new set of spares <laughs> yeah the, the handing out free cars part of their all the team suggestions was apparently not documented uh, but apparently not um nonetheless uh, so i can't blame i mean going spec is the it's just the rote response it's the pavlovian thing of like okay things are expensive then make everything the same if i look to some solutions in north america indycar did it and its popularity tanked and it's still it's still trying to dig out it's making gains but it's still trying to dig out uh you look at grand am and it's daytona prototypes everyone says great racing very affordable all those things possibly the least popular form of prototype racing in my lifetime in north america was always a ratings failure attendance failure sponsorship failure uh there i again i think there's a common thread to understand here now we have the uh the fia uh world sport motor council more world council motorsport deciding that uh p1 uh tech regs are going to be frozen through 2019 I don't think that's a dumb decision by any means, but no. odd, that, odd that we live in a time where the most inventive and creative class that I can think of in our world that we cover here, LMP1 hybrids, are essentially locked in. I don't want to say spec, but what we have now is not going to change no. uh, for the next three years. Yet IndyCar, the series that has been just absolutely destroyed uh, in terms of critical comments over it being spec, is actually going the opposite direction. We're going to start opening things up that aren't spec next year. Hurrah. It's a it's a bizarre world, brother. But back to the uh, DPI thing. If I'm a team owner in Europe wanting to play in the WEC, these spec P2 cars, I I I have no issue with them. I, you know, we've seen the numbers have been very strong sales-wise. If the budgets are where they need to be, they should be able to get uh, funded drivers who can help make them happen. Pros are getting hired. I think there's lots of good things there. It's going to continue to be a, a real vital portion of the WC's class structure, just car, car count-wise and vitality. If I look over here, I think we're seeing a picture of maybe what, the WC should consider in the future. Granted, we've been saying that for a long time. There's nothing new. No. But man, you take a look at that Cadillac. You take a look at that Mad. Mazda. You go, yeah, I, I, I sure would like to see that at Spa. Oh yeah. That would look lovely at Fuji, and especially at a little, uh, little track in the uh, near the wharf. Oh. I, I, I just, I just wonder whether we're going to get a two-tier system in IMSA whereby the DPIs, the manufacturer cars, are effectively going to become the LMP1 hybrids, not in spec, but in the fact that they're going to be the big dogs and everyone else 
is, and that's where the manufacturer money is, so I understand that, but everyone else is going to struggle if they don't have a manufactured car. Now, the opportunity, of, of course, is for those manufacturers, um, the ESM Nissan project, uh, Nismo project, the Cadillac, and indeed the Mazda, um, the opportunity is there to make them available as privateer cars, um, which clearly was never going to happen in the LMP1 hybrid era um, in, in WEC. But there are a number of people who feel they, they will be able to compete, and IMSA have been very diligent in talking to European teams about the fact that what I'm going to keep calling the global LMP2 car will be allowed to compete for overall victory. And to absolutely back that up, Bart Hayden's rebellion making the, the announcement today that they will be bringing one of their two chassis across to the States to run in the North American Endurance Championship, starting with Daytona. They can only run one at Daytona because they won't have the second chassis in time. And a, a three-driver lineup that includes Neil Johnny, Sebastian Buemi <laughs> and Nick Heidfeld. They're not going there to make up the numbers, are they? Star makers, those people at Rebellion. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, and that's. I have to tell you, brother, when I go to Le Mans each year or for you know another WC round, in my mind, it's about the glory of what we don't seeing what we don't have mm. here in North America. P1 cars. Oh my goodness, craziest things on the planet, best ever. Just bow. When I think of what we have, will have to offer over here in America that you can't find elsewhere, well, our GTLM class has been pretty amazing, yep. and obviously GTE Pro is strengthening in the WC as well, so that's good. BMW's coming in, but I think this DPI slash WEC P2 formula, bring what you got. The, again, as long as it's a 2017 thing, and I realize that there's a grandfather clause for 2016, but again, for... for all intents and purposes, bring what you got, come and play. If you got a new P2 car, whether it's manufacturer badge with a custom engine and bodywork, or if it is just as stock as can be from Areca or Galara or Liget, whomever, come and bring it, come play. We've seen and heard from our friends at Areca, from Rebellion, I think from many European teams that have come over in recent years. Uh, admittedly, a lot of the comments were made during the ALMS era, but uh, I think folks tend to enjoy how we get down over here. The way we like to go racing, it's a little bit friendlier. Uh, we do have a thick and somewhat tricky rule book at times, but um, I think the environment, the vibrance of uh, how we go sports car racing here, it's just something that European teams tend to enjoy. And when you now have something like uh, a prototype class where we can have really cool crossover... I don't think we've heard the last no. of uh, European teams uh, saying, okay, let's come try this out. I'll tell you what, the, quickly, the, the best thing we could hear is, and I don't think we're going to hear about this anytime soon, but, you know, if a, if, a, if Graves, for example, mm. can get a hold of a, again, I'm just throwing this out, a Liget Nissan DPI or a Mazda or a Cadillac, if high-quality European teams can get gain access to a DPI, that to me would tell me there this thing IMSA's doing, it really, really is taking off. Yeah, I, I don't think that'll happen in the first year. And I, and I don't think that necessarily they'll even want it uh, to, uh, to do that in the first year. But I think that ha almost has to happen. I, I 
spent an awful long time in um, a short time that I was in Bahrain talking to people in the paddock about various bits and pieces and also having done a couple of speeches recently that talked about the need for a modern day 962 um, that the DPIs are absolutely right up that street and have the opportunity have the opportunity to be that and rebellion coming across to want to battle against them says that it's all on the right track for me and and will I mean right seriously will there be a more experienced set of drivers in a car at Daytona that's two world endurance champions in that car and the third guy's not bad either I mean you know the third guy is not necessarily somebody you would say is a is a is a rabbit that is going to be right they don't you know necessarily know the race as much they'll need some facilities over there which I know Bart is working on right now because that's something that we've talked about for a wee while I I think that's a great addition and whilst the DPIs are really, really important for IMSA and for their national, uh, the national championship aspirations, regional championship aspirations um, uh, in the US and to their constituency, I think the fact that Rebellion are confident enough in IMSA's balance of performance, because there, there will be need, need to be some, as you said, that they want to come over and spend their money to come over and play in that four-round championship I think that speaks volumes, to be honest. Absolutely, and I'll add one other layer than this that has either been underreported or hasn't been reported, which is just a fancy way of saying my lazy arse hasn't gotten to it yet. <laughs> but, um, IMSA, and I'm heaping, I'm heaping predictive praise. This could come back to bite me, but uh, knowing that there would be an expanded need to regulate and monitor the DPIs and just that there could be an overall increase in technical needs. IMSA has been very proactive uh, during the offseason in hiring, in shifting folks to other positions, not because they were doing anything wrong, but, you know, if anything, moving people up to uh, giving them promotions. But IMSA has also been working in the background to try and fortify its technical team from tech inspection to BOP modeling, blah, blah, blah. IMSA has been smart in recognizing that they do have something on this prototype front that could take off and has also seen the uh, growth coming for GT Daytona, for example, with three manufacturers and not just brands, but actual works affiliated efforts coming in all at once. Uh, to IMSA's credit, they have uh, read their uh, tarot cards, seen what was coming, and been proactive to try and put more bodies and more talent in place to make sure that, or to uh, hopefully ensure that when a rebellion, when a ma uh, Manti or whomever does come over, mm. that uh, they will not be apologizing for things that got wrong, missed, or didn't do at the highest possible level. So, again, good on them. And uh, hopefully we have nothing to talk about things being missed, uh, forgotten, or uh, stepped on after uh, 24 hours of competition in January. Uh, yeah, and cars out on the track. No, we were saying about the lack of a, a winter break. There really is, for the IMSA teams, no break at all. I mean, they're going to get a couple of weeks off over Christmas in terms of not having cars on the track. I get the, I get the strong suspicion, though, Marshall, that... Uh, there won't be a lot of lying about moaning and groaning, having eaten too much, because 
quite frankly, between the amount of track time they've got now, they've got another test, then they've got the raw before, and then it, it's straight into the season. Um, there's really no time at all for these guys to, to settle back at all, uh, particularly those who are getting new cars. And th- there are legions of people who are changing their allegiances and, and having to get either new manufacturers in GT or indeed whole new cars out. It's the exciting... Uh, it's the change. most wonderful time <laughs> of the year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, this is fun. We get this every couple, of, you know, every couple of years. If it's an IndyCar, it's it's seemingly once every decade, uh, and in NASCAR, once every generation. But we're in that cool phase where, hey, we got new toys coming, and not everybody knows how to play with them properly to get the most out of them. And again, this is whether it's GT3 spec goodies or DPI WEC P2s. Mm. Um, there's fun stuff happening, and as someone who is just immensely curious on the technical front, loves to see new colors and shapes and just ideas and try to figure them out and explain them to people, it does get a little bit boring showing up to see yet another homologated mm. prototype or GT car going, oh, cool, you put a new stri- yellow stripe on it. Yay, it's so much different than last year. We actually get to show up to the Daytona test here in the middle of December and the roar and then come back for the race itself and the rest of the season and look at fun new toys, fun new ideas, and uh, part of it will be, you know, when they lift up the blanket to put the engine cover on, trying to sneak a photo here or there. That'll remind me a little bit of the old ALMS days and, uh, you know, the WC P1 cars as well. But it's fun, man. I mean, I'm just thankful we're not going back to see the same old, same old for the start of IMSA's fourth season. We also thankfully don't have to try and remember the name of a new title sponsor for the series because i've only just figured out how to spell WeatherTech sports car championship properly and if, if i don't think i've written tutor by mistake in a couple of months so well done. that's another that is one spec thing that i'm quite happy about brother uh when are we going to see the nissan and is there any more news about honda potentially because that's a rumor that refuses to die that honda have got something bubbling under the two japanese manufacturers together would be brilliant fighting it out in with a dpi concept of of some description we know about the esm project when are we likely to see that are they are they going to do something at the raw or might we see something uh, a little more official before then my guess, and it is truly a yes, because at least for what Michael Carcamo has told me, the head of uh, Nismo, it's been a little bit of a sliding scale, but they do anticipate getting out towards the end of December for private testing uh, with their new D- DPI. I don't think we'll see it in a public capacity before the roar. Right. And as we know, with how schedules and deadlines can uh, sometimes fall, it might even be a rush to uh, get to the roar. And that's, again, not speaking any ill of anybody on the team side or otherwise, but it's a big project that ha- that came together much later than the rest. So whenever they do get on track, there will be miracles involved, Hindy. There, yeah. We should applaud everyone for making this happen uh, in such a short amount of time. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the other, other big thing for me to keep in mind is that they're going to be coming in a little bit later. Uh, we know Cadillac has been on track longer than anybody. We know that you know Mazda's trying to rapidly catch up. 
We have three new DPIs coming to the Rolex 24. Just because they're out, will be out and running, doesn't mean that all three of those programs are at the same stage. That's a very good point. Uh, so, we, yeah. Just that, bear in mind, no matter how they look, some kids will have done more homework than others. I, and, I like that analogy. That's very good. And, of course, Continental Tire are having to do a lot of work as well. You've mentioned the differences in the cars from the LMP2-based cars in, in the past. This is effectively an, a new LMP2 chassis with different bodywork, different engines on for the IMSA uh, prototype category. Um and, and I know the guys at Continental have been right on this right from the very beginning and, and, and in some ways actually have been waiting for the chassis to do a little bit more uh, a little bit more competitive work out on the track so that they can start benchmarking tyres. Very true. And uh, on the call today with John Doonan, I, I didn't include it in the little thing that I wrote just because you know he was just effectively speaking for what he thought the tire manufacturer would do, but at least from what he said, they have heard uh, teams could be running last year's, or, or I guess you could even say the most recent Daytona prototype, not DPI, but Daytona prototype. Yes. Uh, DP spec Daytona tires, uh, the ones that are frankly built for extreme wear, much higher weight, just from a durability standpoint, yes, uh, we're, we're really yeah. Those things rock solid uh, in terms of uh, I guess endurance, um, and that the call them DPI custom tires would uh, most likely make their full debut uh, from Sebring onward. So mm. I haven't haven't had a chance. I just got was finished that up just before we started here so i haven't had a chance to reach out to continental but even if we do end up having a bit of an exception on prototype tires for daytona uh everything i've heard from those who have tested the dpi custom tires including oz negri who has been the leader uh and you know works heavily with continental and tire testing in general he's raved about them and not as not as someone who was paid to do it but just truly fired up about how good the tires are so uh as we know Heidi, there aren't a bunch of corners at daytona <laughs> it's it, i mean other yeah but than, the ones that are there are pretty damn important in fairness oh, no, uh, just, no. just one quick final point uh, because we're running out of time very very rapidly um, Continental also named by the way this week as the prototype challenge supplier, this is LMP3 by uh, another name the third at least that I uh, can work out, different manufacturer who has tyres on LMP3 around the world it's not a massive surprise to me that Continental wanted to be involved in that uh, IMSA development series but I know that there was some uh, that was some competition there, so well done to Continental, and that is going to be a learning curve for them as well. Um, we're going to have to let you go, MP. Well, thank, thank you very much. So, so we can't break the news about the uh, fourth DPI manufacturer that we heard about. Uh, Subaru and Colony was getting back together. You keep to bring... honestly, you keep selling that. Somebody's going to buy it. You okay. know that, right, don't brother. you? <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Thank Have a you. good one, mate. Thank you very much indeed. Marshall Pruitt from Racer.com joining us live on this week's Midweek Motorsports. The Motorsport. news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Come on, then. Leading precious metal asset firm. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this, Nick. Rosalind Capital has chosen the occasion of the final Formula One race of the 2016 season to introduce the most stunning addition 
the officially licensed Formula One coin collection to date. A spectacular five kilogram gold coin. What? <laughs> So how, many of, how many so of them would you like in your pocket, so Nick? So it's not the Franklin Mint, then, knocking out some uh, Winston Churchill memorial for a pound? It has to be homologated. So it has to be exactly five kilograms. It can't be over so or under. So five kilograms is... Well, how much is that worth just the gold? Well, they've stamped something F1 on it. I'll read on. <laughs> it's not on Eve's Christmas list. Oh, you may know it. Five kilogram, by the way, is... Lots of true ounces. Yeah, a bit more than that, isn't it? It's two and a quarter pounds to the kilo. Two. So, so yeah. it's 11. Yeah, it is. You're the right. limited you edition five kilogram gold coin, the only one of its kind in the world, has been That's given... That's a very limited, limited edition, That is limited. It? Limited to one, has it's been given a special Abu Dhabi Grand Prix design to celebrate one of the most glamorous and exotic faces on the Formula One calendar, which this year will also stage the culmination of the epic battle for the 2016 FIA Formula epic. One World Championship title between Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. Do you know Oh, I wonder how that'll go. Do you know what, though, Tim? Doesn't it, I saw this. Doesn't this make you think that in a sport when so many times the words literally and unique are used incorrectly, they could have put that into this press release because, in fact, it would have been correct. Literally and unique, yes. Yes. Uh, the obverse side of the coin features obverse, Ian Rank Broadley's nice. portrait of Queen Elizabeth II together huh? with the legal tender value of the coin. Which is what? Hang on, this is this is a coin that's five kilograms, but it's a it's British legal tender. It's a British issued coin. Yes, it's legal tender. All right, what's it worth well. then? I it's, can't it's, find any information about that in the press release. How much does it cost? All it's, that. It's, it's going to it's going to replace it's going to replace the new fiver, which <clears> they're going to have to take out of circulation. Tallow. Yes, it's. I find it so It's the three or three Remington cartridge all over again. I find it ironic that uh, vegans are using the internet, which presumably they're using fibre optic cables insulated with animal fat to access. To complain yes, but they don't have to animal... touch that. They don't have to touch that. Well, I'm sure they touch lots of cables. Not touching uh, it, the internet. Let's not analyse the, um, uh, the the contradictions in the vegan way of life, shall we? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I understand. I understand why. Um, they, they, they don't want to touch it. Anyway, that's by the by. So we still... A five kilogram silver bar is around about £2,800. Yes, but silver's worth nothing compared to gold. That's odd because it's rarer. No, it's not. Um, loads more silver than gold. If there's you buckets, want to there's buy... There's buckets of it in the sea. A, a five kilogram Armenian silver coin. Again, it's silver. All yes, two. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I cannot find... It is literally tw- one of a coin... Kind. One of a kind. Very good. <laughs> said Martin Alexoff, who yes. spoke of his delight at introducing the 5-kilogram F1 gold coin to the world here in Abu Dhabi. Uh, mm. The reception we've received from the F1 community to the coin collection this year has been overwhelming in its positivity. We're proud to be associated with Formula 1. Hang on, I'm going to get you the value. Give me a second. I'm, I'm virtually at the value of the coin. It's if you want to buy... All right, uh, come on, hurry any up. Any of the Formula One coin collections. There's a selection of uh, gold and silver coins of different values. Uh, and you're in the UK. Call 0800 902 0000. I, right. I can tell you that a kilo of gold bullion yep. from the Royal Mint yep. is 20, was was in a year ago was 25 grand. It's now 30,000. Oh, closing price today. 
A kilo of gold yeah. is thirty thousand one hundred and forty-seven pounds. Mm-hmm. So the raw gold value is quite mm-hmm. easy to calculate. Is fifty thousand one hundred and fifty thousand seven hundred pounds. Right. But of course, then there's the, the extra value for stamping it up and things. Yes. Or making it, not. making it unique. Uh, yeah. If you're in the US, you can call 1-800-695-7585. It's not available for sale in any country other than the UK and the US. Gold price currently £30 per gram. Buy my gold. Buy my gold. <laughs> com. Mm. I wonder if they would buy that. I suspect we might bankrupt them. I don't think you said it by post, though, would you? Even even on the secure letter. Rotation says an ounce of gold is £938 today. If only anyone knew, still knew what an ounce was. Well, it's not. Very and also, it's a, it's a troy ounce as well, which is not ah. the same as an ordinary ounce. And that is about it for... Uh, it's not. I've got another right. bit of music to play. All right, OK. Oh, we could have used this earlier, of course. Got right, what that okay. is yet. It's brand new Cadillac. Brand new yeah. Cadillac, yeah. So we could have used it earlier for the brand new Cadillac story. Uh, right. I'm going to use it now for the Clash story. The Clash story? What's clashing? Well, if you uh, started following NASCAR any time after 1979... <laughs> no, no, I like Sorry, this. after 1997, mm-hmm. um, you won't know what the Clash is. Uh, but between 1979 and 1997, the Clash was the uh, traditional opening to the NASCAR season. Which is now... Not Daytona. It used to be called the Bush Clash, uh, and then it became... (laughs) a video about that. Then it became the Bud Shootout. Yes, it's called... While while Budweiser was sponsoring it until 2012. And then when Sprint took over, it became the Sprint Unlimited for four years. But from next year, they're calling it the Clash again. Uh... NASCAR's uh, comment on why they're calling it the Clash again is we're bringing back the Clash at Daytona. The Clash was a race name that has always been popular among both the competitors and race fans. Uh, My version of it um, is they can't find a sponsor for it. Will Ah. they possibly be uh, wanting the commentator to be based in the UK? So you can say, London calling, it's the Clash. Very good. Very good indeed. They've changed the entry rules again as well. Oh no. Uh, In a final bid to prevent Terry Labonte from being eligible <laughs> um, you now have to be a former race winner of the Clash, a former Daytona 500 pole sitter uh, you have to have been in the chase in 2016 or won a pole position in 2016 so the 20 drivers right. eligible are Greg Biffle Alex Bowman, Car- Kurt Busch, Carl Busch Austin Dillon, Carl Edwards, Chase Elliott Denny Hamlin Kevin Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, Matt Kenseth, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., Dale Earnhardt Jr., Tony Stewart, Chris Boucher, Carl Larson, Jeremy McMurray, and Danica Patrick. Uh, and that was Season 11, Episode 44. For anyone who is going to the FIA Gala this week, have a lovely evening. There's no time to explain. The llama is off to Austria. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.